Well, there's this naked woman on the birdbath, like a bird. She's perched on, on the birdbath. And we're like, holy shit, what is this? For a midget with no legs. I shit all night long. <laughs> Wearing Saran Wrap Preparation H. Mm -hmm. child. Yeah, their child's in the car, he walks up, and he shoots both of them point blank. Then just leaves, drives back to Texas. Welcome to 1023 Podcast. From on scene to on air with those who were there. Before we get started, we want to give a shout out to one of our all-time favorite companies, 1350 Apparel. 1350 Apparel is a law enforcement owned and operated apparel company based out of West Palm Beach, Florida. We here at 1023 Podcasts love what they're all about, and many of us actually wear 1350 products while on duty due to the superior quality of everything they make. 1350 Apparel also worked with us to design and produce the first ever official 1023 Podcast t-shirts, which are awesome in fit, function, and style. So if you're a true patriot, and you want to support a great organization with a great mission full of great people, go check out 1350 Apparel and get yourself and your loved ones some awesome gear. Lastly, the views and opinions of the individuals featured on 1023 Podcast do not necessarily reflect those of their employers or their profession. Viewer discretion is advised. This is 1023 Podcast, episode 10-1 with Brandon Jones, John Fisher, and myself. Hunter Fithen. Also featuring my lovely and talented wife, Ashley Fithen. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Yeah. Good evening. I like this uh, this formal opening. We, we kind of did this on the fly for episode one, and it, it turned out good. So, um, yeah, uh, we're here with uh, episode 10-1. Our last episode was 10-0, and we're, we're still rolling with our 10-code-themed episode titles. But tonight, we are here with... Um, Sergeant John Fisher, um, who actually works at the same agency that myself and, and Lieutenant Jones do. But um, we're going to kind of just shoot the bull and, and talk about, um, Fisher, why did you become a cop and why did you want to want to do the whole law enforcement thing? And, and we're going to talk about some of the, the crazy stuff that you've seen and done. So mine was mainly, it was a family business for me. So, yeah. My cousins, my uncle, my grandpa, everybody's in law enforcement. Um, mm. So that's kind of, I grew up always knowing that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't have any aspirations to do anything else. I had other aspirations to do things inside of law enforcement, but it was always going to be law enforcement. Okay. There was a time I wanted to be a game warden. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there was just there was just different things that I wanted to do, but I always knew I was going to carry a badge and a gun at yeah. some point. That's cool. Now you're, um, so I'm sorry, how many family members did you have that were, that were cops? Um, three. Yeah. Well, no. So my grandpa, his brother, which would have been my great uncle, mm -hmm. I have a cousin that's currently in law enforcement. And then they had another, my grandpa had a cousin as well that was okay. in law enforcement. So, and they were all law enforcement in the same area and, 
We yeah. had some cool old pictures of them, black and white photos of them with the old cop uniforms. And it's, it's pretty cool. That is cool. I think it's cool too to see like with it being like almost like a like you said like a family business to see like it how the uh, how the field has changed like over the decades and everything and right. kind of different family members in different eras of it. One thing we that Jones and I talked about in the last episode was. Um, Neither of us have any family that were in law enforcement, huh? We were, no. we were the first in, in our respective families. Groundbreakers. So. Groundbreakers, yeah. But that's cool that you're keeping the tradition alive. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> How long have you uh, been a cop? For going on 12 years. Going on 12. Okay. 12 years. Yeah. Now, I know um, you and I both used to work for um, the same municipal PD. Um, not at the same time, but how long were you at the PD before you went sheriff's office? I worked PD for eight years. Okay. Cool. How was that? It was it was interesting. I mean, that's that's where I gained most of my experience. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and I, I don't, I still recommend somebody coming fresh out of the academy. Yeah, some young kid go to a police department where you're going to get yeah. all the experience you want. And yeah, I would agree with that. It's whenever I was there, like the call volume was way 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 higher than than it is currently where we are at the sheriff's office. We still have a, a pretty good call volume at the sheriff's office, but yeah, the, the PD was a lot more busy when it came to right. calls. For but, sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, tell us about, um, I guess we'll all kind of chime in on this because I know we've, I mean, we, we all work together and we've all seen some crazy things, got to do some crazy things, but um, that seems to be the number one thing that people want to know about cops is hey what's some of the craziest things you've ever seen or craziest things you've ever done you got any stories like that that come to mind well i mean if you backtrack a little bit i never thought that when i got into law enforcement i didn't have any interest of being on a swat team or anything like that i didn't mm-hmm. think that, that was anything i would do yeah um i kind of want to be a canine guy yeah before that i thought it was like man that'd be cool to have a have a dog mm-hmm. well lo and behold i got thrown into a position on the swat team and started out just being a member of yeah. the team. Um, it was kind of unorganized. Uh, the current or the the person that was running the SWAT team at that time had resigned, and mm-hmm. me being, I don't know, I might have been four or five years in into law enforcement, and they said, "Hey, you're gonna run this team now." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I've never even done anything SWAT related yet. Mm-hmm. Never been to training." I'd never been on a SWAT call out. Yeah. Hadn't served any warrants or done anything. And they're, wow. you're going to be in charge of it. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay. That was another agency. Uh, right. Not the one we're currently yeah, in. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, one of the municipal agency. But so got into that. And I mean, I've seen some, some crazy things going through it now. But uh, probably the craziest thing, and it's, it's going to sound, made up but <laughs> a, lot, a lot of stories do yeah but <laughs> one of my craziest call outs would have to have been for a midget with no legs <laughs> it's it, it, yeah we're gonna need more detail so because i've never heard this full story like i know what you're referring to but I, so going <laughs> this this mid, female midget <laughs> with no legs had previously shot at another officer at a, a neighboring city Almost shot him in the head. Huh. Um, I'm sure y'all remember that. Yeah. And, well, we had another incident 
a few weeks later where she was back at her house, same type of call, same situation. Well, this time they were like, you know what? We're not going to go in there. Let's, let's call the SWAT team over there. Sure. Okay. So yeah. midget at large, we show up and we try to, you know, make contact with her. Nothing. Mm-hmm. We decide that, you know, Hey, we're going to bust out a couple of windows. We had mm-hmm. this drone at the time. Yeah. It was another agency that brought a drone out. We were going to try to fly the drone through the house to see if we can find her. Yeah. Well, I, I got tasked with taking the drone to go put it in the window. Mm-hmm. Well, I go up, put the drone in the window. As soon as it takes off, it immediately crashes. Of course. Well, now we have a rescue operation for our drone. <sighs> yeah. So we couldn't use gas. You know, you can't gas somebody that can't walk. Well, yeah. What did you say the initial call out was? What was the reason for it that you guys were deployed was, to the house? She was doing, you know, the previous call where she had shot at somebody, she was in there suicidal, had a gun. And mm. I guess they they went in to try to make contact, and that's when she popped rounds off at her okay. at them. And uh, so this time it was the same similar call. She was armed, mm-hmm. uh, was wanting to take her own life, and so that's why they called us there. They you know mm-hmm. wanted to proceed with more caution. Sure. So yeah. so yeah. anyway, we we wait for a while. We can't put gas in there. Mm-hmm. You know, we, our tactics are very limited on a situation like this. So oh yeah. So we, we form our team up, we go up, we breach the door, we go in, and immediately what I see is a dirty diaper on the floor, <laughs> an adult diaper. <laughs> so we have to step over this diaper, and by this time, I'm I'm not going to lie, I'm nervous. I'm like, we're either going to have to shoot this lady, mm-hmm. or she's going to shoot one of us, but I don't think this is ending any other way. Yeah. And of course you're thinking and you're like, what's the news going to say when we have to shoot this lady and what, you know, <laughs> but you, and you're nervous well, because of the previous encounter. Right. Well, you know, in other words, would you have been nervous with her? Had that not happened a few weeks before where she actually shot it? Well, not, not as nervous. No, uh, but yeah. I mean, this was, it was one of the first times that I can remember actually fearing for my safety because mm-hmm. I was like, one, somebody's in, we're going to hesitate. It's just, yeah. it's going to be a natural thing. If we see this lady, we're, yeah. Nobody wants to pull the trigger. Well, and she had like another uh, physical uh, disability also with her hands. Right. Yeah. She had a, she had webbed <laughs> hands. So she, she wasn't able to, you know, firmly grip things, but she's able to f- fire a gun. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and that's, so we see the dirty diaper and, you know, we're moving through just tactically through this house mm-hmm. and we see an AR-15 laying on the floor and we're like, mm-hmm this lady's packing some heat. Like what else does she have in here? You know? So we step over the diaper, step over the gun. Yeah. And, you know, we start moving through the house and we finally see her, you know, laying on the ground. Yeah. And we're able to call out to her. And luckily she didn't have anything. She, she assured us. She's like, I don't have anything. I'm not going to do anything to you guys. So we were able to go in there and, and get her out and get her the help she needed. Okay, good. Yeah. We'll see that. That's sketchy. Situations like that are sketchy too, because I mean we've all been there. But whenever you're going to something like a like a suicidal subject, it's like they, they could be highly dangerous. You know, the way I was taught was you know suicidal can be homicidal, so you gotta watch it. But it's also like like you said, you don't want to go in there and like you never go into a house really with the intention to shoot anybody, but especially someone who who needs help like that right. and 
you know, has these severe disabilities. Like, right. well, we knew she already, she's willing to pull the trigger. She had, yeah, she, she shot, had a cop shot at a cop before. So, well, I think that speaks to how broken the system is because it was only a, a matter of just a few weeks. A few weeks. And you guys were out with her. I mean, again, yeah. from the point where she shot at the officer, it was just a few weeks until you guys are deployed to a different residence. But right. to her, again, it shows how the system is broken because she never should have been no. out. No. No. Whether it be a jail or the uh, whatever a mental, mental health, health facility, facility she yeah. was at, mm-hmm. she uh, didn't stay there very long. And obviously, it's still a problem. So, it just right. that just speaks to how broken the system is where yeah. you have this person with all these problems and physical disabilities. And yet, in a matter of weeks, she's out. And I think a lot of people don't mm-hmm. understand that, mm-hmm. uh, that aren't in law enforcement, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it creates a weird dynamic, too, because, you know, if you go online for any amount of time, you'll see there's tons of keyboard commandos out there that comment on every police video where they the cops are interacting with someone with a mental illness or who's suicidal or whatever. And you'll always see people talk about, like, hey, you know, why are the cops there? They're not even committing a crime, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, well, when you have someone who is suicidal and they have a tendency to shoot at other people or they're dangerous to other people, like there's really no other option that society has right now where like you could try and send like a, a mental health professional to go talk to him, but they don't want to go up there. If it's like, Hey, last time they were like this, they were shooting at cops. Like, so why don't, why don't you waltz up there and see if you can chat with them? But it's kind of for lack of a better option, the cops get sent to a lot of situations like that that are just there's, there's no, just, nobody else yeah. to go. It's thrown in our laps because mm-hmm. that's where the fix hole. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you don't know what to do. Some of the cops. Exactly. Someone told me once, uh, and it always stuck with me. They said that that law enforcement is society's garbage disposal, and it's just mm-hmm. all the nasty, gritty things that that no one wants to deal with, like suicidal midget with no legs and webbed hands that is shooting at people. That's going to get thrown to the cops, you know, right. so many things that we just got to clean up. Well, and I think we'll probably have the officer that was involved in that first, uh, <laughs> that was shot at by right. the, that individual uh, on our show at some point. But uh, yeah, I, I, he's told me the story and I, I won't get into it too much, but he made certain decisions that day. Yeah, because of the disability she had right. that mm-hmm. put him in danger, mm-hmm. nearly cost him his life. Right. Had yeah. she, been better on her aim, he wouldn't be here today. I mean, right. she just missed it. Oh, by yeah, inches. Sure. yeah. And he, he made decisions because of who, and he, I won't get into it too far, but he told me he just didn't want to see himself on the news right. having shot somebody like that. So that's why yeah. he didn't shoot back. And that's why a lot of decisions were made that day that, um, yeah. we'll get him on here and we'll talk about mm-hmm. it. But it, it, uh, it could have cost him his life for yeah. fear of what people may have thought about him. Yeah. Literally. Well, that's what society has come to nowadays mm-hmm. anyway. That, that's something in the back of an officer's mind in the middle of a situation. What is the news going to say about me? Yeah. And that was after he was shot at. Right. Again, I don't get too far yeah. in. I'm trying to, I have a problem with doing that, but I, that's uh, really, well, he, right, he, after he was shot at, he was, he was still afraid of what the news would yeah. say about him shooting somebody like that. Right. Yeah. Suicidal subject calls are one of those, like for the modern officer, like it's a, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of thing, because it's like, Hey, yeah, uh, we like someone calls the cops. Like we don't just show up on our own, but like someone calls the cops and says, "Hey, you know, my loved one is in there. They said they're going to kill themselves. Like, please help them." Okay, well, um, you know, we'd love to help them, but like if we can't really get in the house, we don't have anything that pushes us in there. Well, like there is the option. Like, well, why don't we just leave? You know, there's no one's committing a crime or anything. It's not a crime to be suicidal. Well, and there's agencies that are doing that. Yes, and that that there's been a big push for that. A lot of bigger agencies now are doing that, but then they're leaving and these people kill themselves and then the backlash is like, 
the cops didn't do anything. Like they could have saved this person. Well, we may have had the same conversation on our, our last show. I don't remember. We, we might have done something. But of it, still, yeah. but they, if people have legs, they can move to the, their neighbor's house. If they got a set of keys, they can drive somewhere. I mean, they don't just become out of their 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 mental uh, emergency just because the cops leave. I mean, it yeah. doesn't fix anything at no, all. Not at all. No. They're, just no, they're no longer contained. Yeah. Well, I got to know, though, whenever y'all go in, like y'all reach this door, you look in there and you see the dirty diaper on the floor. The, I got to know, like, did anyone, like, was that, like, called out like a hazard? Like, did anyone step on it? or? Like, I think it, it was pointed at because... I was I was running as a point man at this yeah. time carrying a shield mm-hmm. and you know I kind of step over it and I just kind of <laughs> watch out yeah so mm. yeah that's the other thing you got to worry about nowadays is booby traps so yeah for sure yeah <laughs> biological yeah biological, <laughs> biological warfare <laughs> yeah oh my gosh yeah oh, well I don't know what episode it's gonna be but eventually we're gonna get the guy who dealt with um, that initial situation. But uh, I'd love for you two to compare notes so we can... No, be it. I've been around for some of his crazy stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's video evidence of a lot of it, so... Yeah. Well, yeah, there's there's a lot of... Now with, like, the, the body cameras and everything, there's there's a lot of good video evidence of a lot of wild stories that people wouldn't believe otherwise. Right. But, yeah, no, it's good. Well, I know um, whenever I switched from the PD to the sheriff's office... Uh, you were actually my, my FTO, my field training right. officer for a while. Um, but I think one of my, one thing I was going to mention since you were going to be on tonight was, um, I think like one of the first uses of force I got into at the sheriff's office was when me and you fought like that 17 year old kid. Right. And <laughs> that was another mental, yes. mental health situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it was, what it was. was more of a drug induced one, but it was still mm-hmm. a mental health situation. Yeah. We were called to fix a problem that mm-hmm. the parents couldn't handle and it, yeah. turned, it turned into a fight. Oh know? yeah. 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 And, and I remember the way that came out too. Like, you know, these, uh, these folks are calling 911 and basically saying, um, Hey, like our, our teenage son, he's out of control. He's, he's throwing things around the house. He's, he's being really, really violent. Like we need some help. So we went out there for that. And then, um, the long story short of it is that, like, it was a house way out in our, in our County. Um, but as soon as we rolled up, we got there about the same time. Hmm. I saw the kid and he was walking out of the house and he looked all pissed off and he was going towards a vehicle. But I called out to him and I was like, hey, man, like, come here for a second. Like, you know, with the sheriff's office, we got to call here and got to talk to you. But, um, yeah, he came over and he was cool at first. And uh, I told him I just wanted to check him out and see if he make sure he didn't have any weapons on him. And he was cool with that. And so he he put his hands on my on my car and I checked him out and. While I was doing that, though, he decided to try and dart off, and yeah. that's that's when that started. Yep. That's when I also found out that uh, – so I learned at the, at the PD that getting into use force, like fighting someone in a parking lot, is really unpleasant because it'll tear up your knees and everything. But oh, yeah. I learned uh, pretty early on at the county that I don't know what's, what's worse, is wrestling someone in a parking lot or wrestling someone in a caliche driveway. Caliche driveway. Yeah. <laughs> Because I got all cut up on that one too. Oh yeah, I had, I had holes in my my clothes and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. So but yeah, those mental health calls like they're they can get real wild real quick. Yeah, unpredictable. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I think uh, last episode we were talking about. Well, we we talked about uh, a few different crazy things, but um, 
I had mentioned like my first call with the with the PD where um, we had a female that had a gun at a laundromat and was causing a scene there. Mm. That was another like semi mental health crisis thing. Right. But, oh, I think over fifty percent of our our work is mental health. I mean, if you take drugs mm-hmm. and, yeah. and mental issues out of the equation. What are we going to just drive around all day? I mean, there's there's nothing more to do. I guess catch some speeders. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much crime that I don't know what the actual stat breakdown is, but I would like to know. I'll probably look it up after this episode, but there's so much crime that is spurred on, kind of fueled by narcotics Mm -hmm. that... Yeah, you have a lot well, and of mental health too. I would say because well, yeah. it, people seem to get stuck that way. They, they once they've, especially with meth, they've yes. done it long enough. Where yeah. you know, some point. of them doesn't do it too, and others it does. But some of them are even though when they get off of it, they just mm-hmm. they have this. Well, they're just stuck. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the weird thing too is like you'll have people who like they they were born with some kind of mental illness where they're they're really really struggle with bipolar or schizophrenia or whatever. But then you do almost have like, like chemically these, induced. Yeah. Like people fry their brains on meth and like now they're schizophrenic, but like they weren't like that before meth. Yeah. But yeah, and they, they become just kind of frequent flyers. With, it's really with sad because you see it run. Oh, I mean, sad, you know, these yeah. are normal people that at some point made some bad decisions and got on dope. And then yeah. Yeah, a certain percentage of those people. I uh, just get stuck that way, even though when they get off of it, and yeah, and, and it's totally I mean, different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're and the mental health system doesn't, you know, the hospitals don't really want them because they've abused narcotics, and so they don't want to take them. And, mm-hmm. and jail's really not a place for them a lot of yeah. times. And then there's they're kind of in this mm-hmm. gray area of of what do you do with these people? Yeah, exactly. It's I don't know. It's mess- it'll be interesting to see in the next in the next several years, kind of how the relationship between law enforcement and the mental health field continues to evolve because yeah like you said i mean jail's not really always the right place for these folks but um now sometimes it is sometimes you know just because you're suffering from a mental illness doesn't mean that you can commit serious felony crimes and just yeah crazy it's not know. an excuse yeah, but i yeah. mean yeah, at the same time it's, it's it's a very gray area yeah so it's situational i mean there's a lot that goes into it. it's not a very easy answer yeah yeah, there's not with a lot of law enforcement. There's not easy answers mm-hmm. to any of it. People from the outside think that there is. Watching TV is, you know, mm-hmm. you, but it's not. It's not that easy. It's not that easy. And I don't know about y'all, but have y'all noticed? Because um, I know I've noticed. Like while while I was working patrol and everything, whenever you interact with someone who's a very heavy meth user and they've been on it for for a few years at least, have you have you guys noticed that? Um, like. One, they kind of start to develop this, this, these mental illnesses where a lot of times, like, they'll tell me that, like, they're hearing voices and stuff like right. that. And, um, they'll do that. But they also get, like, super paranoid where, like, they think that people are following them. Mm-hmm. And they think that, uh, like, a guy told me one time that, um, that the government was shooting lasers up into the sky at a satellite and yeah. it was coming down and it was beaming into him and controlling his mind. And he, like, he legitimately believed this yeah. and he had actually called 911. And I show up and he wants me to get the government to stop controlling his mind. Yeah, I've been similar calls where they would look at and you'd see one of the, I don't know, Jupiter, one of the, the, yeah. the planets, you know, would be brighter that, that time of year mm-hmm. than time of month. And, and they thought that that was a government satellite that was, yeah. he's like, he, I know that's yours. I'm like, what, what's mine? He's like, that up there, because I know that's what you used to listen to me. I'm like, bro, like, Dude, I never used you know, if, if we had that capability, I promise we wouldn't be spending it on you. You know, some no. guy run around just using user meth and stealing, you know, copper out of trash can or yeah. whatever the issue was with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah, I mean, they, they truly believe it and they, they fear for their lives. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah, because yeah. yeah. to them, it's, it. it's as real as we are you sitting know. here. And that's yeah. a, 
oh, this is a very powerful thing when you believe yeah. something to be true that's not. Well, I'm like, I mean, you act on it. I've been to situations before too that were really dangerous because it was like uh, this guy who he's a, he's a heavy meth user. He's developed this extreme sense of paranoia, and then we get a nine one one call from like Walmart parking lot. Someone saying like, "Hey, there's this like wacky dude in the Walmart parking lot, and he's like." screaming at people and he's telling people to stop following him and he's he has a knife you know that type of thing so you show up to address this and that dude like he's in such a paranoid panic state that like when you go to interact with him you know you can try and de-escalate him and, and get him to see reason and you know try and help him out but more th- more often than not you're not really going to be able to reason with them when they're in that manic state and so some kind of force is going to have to be used. And when they're in that state, they are going to fight with every fiber of their mm-hmm. being to get away from you or to, to harm you or mm-hmm. someone else. Or in their mind, they're fighting whatever yeah, enemy that yeah, they, they think is trying to attack them. Or they, they, fight or flight mode yeah. at that point. Yeah. You know? yeah, we fought a guy one time that, uh, this is around the holidays, but um, have you ever heard of like Krampus? You all know what that is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like, don't. Krampus? Okay. Krampus is like, I don't know what country it comes from, but... You know, like different countries around the world when they celebrate Christmas, they do Santa Claus or um, you know, St. Nicholas, whatever. Well, I don't know where it comes from, but there, some country has a, a thing. It's like the opposite of Santa Claus, essentially. It's a, an evil thing called Krampus. It's like a monster, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah, yeah. if you're a bad kid, then, you know, Krampus instead of comes to see Krampus comes <laughs> to get you, you know. But this dude, like, he was hallucinating real bad when we were dealing with him, and um, he was calling us Krampus, like, the whole time that we were fighting him. But he thought that, you know, the cops who were trying to restrain him were like demons attacking him and he fought hard. Like he fought real hard. What? They get like superhuman strength. Yeah. They're naked a lot of times too, yeah. right? They That's what I, remember, <laughs> I remember a female that we used to always deal with Yeah, and she was notorious for getting naked and then she would go into <laughs> random people's houses. Oh All the oh, time. Yeah, that's right. Like, and get in the shower. Get in the and, shower. Yes. How'd she get in there? Like, she, well, the front door would be open. They'd yeah, be like, she was watching TV and oh. she'd walk in their house. Oh, so like, she'd get in the shower. Find an open and door. And as soon as you found this girl, it was fight on every mm. time. And she was tiny. I mean, she probably weighed yeah. 120, was, mm-hmm. you know, just super yeah. tiny girl. But it was, it, it was a fight every time. It'd yeah. take, I mean, two people for sure to get her under without hurting her real bad. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I mean, there was, there was one time I was, training a, a a rookie and yeah. we were patrolling on just it was midnights mm-hmm. it was like three o'clock in the morning or something like that nobody out yeah you know weekday so we we're like not looking for you didn't, you didn't think you'd see a bunch of stuff going on or yeah whatever. yeah we turned this corner and there is a bird bath in this mm-hmm. lady's yard well there is this naked woman <laughs> on the bird bath like a bird she's perched <laughs> on on the bird bath and we're like holy shit what is this like, what is going on here and so we get out and it's that same girl and we're like here we go yep. and then there we go the fight was on yep. and it's fight with her get her to the hospital fight with her at the hospital yep. and, and it's never ending well, it's, it's another sad story because that she had a uh, before she got bad off on dope mm-hmm. she had a, a good job really? uh, do you know where she worked mm-hmm. we won't get into that but yeah. she she had a good job and basically a normal life and just again bad right. life choices and got into that meth yeah. and it ruined her. But she was working at a place that was, uh, you know, it, she could have had a good career out of it. Right. Which right. there's a lot of stories like that with people oh, yeah. like that. But she, uh, oh yeah, I think she had a bad. husband and yeah, I, think I, she I don't remember she had kids, but I know she was. I think she was married. She's yeah. a pretty girl, really. Yeah, and huh. just 
got a hold of her, you know, it got it. So, yeah, it's got its hooks in you and it won't let go. So, yeah, yeah. I remember I wrestled a guy one time that, uh, he, we arrested him for public intox. He was basically walking out in the middle of the road and acting crazy and had his shirt off. And he was actually covered in blood because as he was walking around the road, he kept tripping and falling and cutting himself up. But, um, he was on meth and I, I talked, I interacted with him later on and, uh, he actually wasn't from around this area. He was just kind of passing through, but he had been on meth for a long time. But he told me he used to trade stocks and stuff. Like he used to be super successful. Mm-hmm. He, Wow. Was making a lot of money and going to all these parties and everything and got hooked on dope and finds himself in small town, Texas, walking around the middle of the road, getting arrested by the police. And yeah, yeah so it, it takes all well, of you yeah. and it'll ruin you. Yeah, nobody's immune to it. That's the thing. No. I mean, it, it, and you can come from a good uh, upbringing, you know, your parents did everything right and mm-hmm. you... And you make a, a bad decision. It's not like we're doing some kind of anti-drug campaign, but I mean, you make well, some I mean, kind of <laughs> bad decision and your life has changed forever, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, you, you were uh, trading stocks, and now you're—I don't know—some yeah, well, rural and, area of Texas getting yeah, getting now into trouble, passed out by a dumpster behind a Taco Bell somewhere. Yeah. You know, but yeah, so it's it's a crazy thing. But, but yeah, I've, I've noticed that. I've noticed like um, heavy drug users, like they they hear the voices they say, and they get real paranoid. Mm-hmm. They get naked a lot. That's a, yeah. that's another big yeah. one. Because they're hot, they sweat. You know, yeah, they're, they're usually real sweaty and wet yeah. when you try to then, really grab onto them. Yeah, that's the thing is when you when you do go to like put hands on them and it's time to go time to go in cuffs, they're super slick usually. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> but they, they're all it's the same. Yeah, I mean every time. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of one that uh, the same type of situation. We had a dude high on meth, caused a problem, um, but when we went to deal with him. It was actually like pouring rain outside. It was like pouring buckets and he had been walking around in the rain and he had actually gone to a, like the local landfill office where in our county we work in and, um, was causing a scene out there and ended up like throwing a chair through a window and was threatening to, to beat people up and all that. And went out there and, uh, yeah, fighting with him, like he was super sweaty and nasty slick. And then it was super rainy and wet that day. And so, yeah, he was. He was a, a tricky one. But. Is that the uh, the landfill that's, you know, 10, 12 miles outside of the uh, city limits? This or one is, is, is one that's limits? like south of city limits. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember this is back whenever I was with PD. And then um, if you talk to the guy who was my sergeant at the time, he'll tell this story, a different version of this story that makes me look bad. <laughs> because we had like basically a dog pile of officers on this dude. And I, I have always maintained and will continue to maintain to this day that my sergeant told me he said fifth and like so we're, we're fighting this deal like on the side of the road but uh, a lot of cars had stopped and were watching us like fight and it was causing a traffic jam so he tells me like fifth and like go get those cars out of here so i go and i'm like directing traffic in the middle of the rain while this dude's getting the ass kicking behind me or whatever but he still gives me hell about it like oh yeah like fifth and didn't even help us like you know we, <laughs> we had to fight this guy all by ourselves I'm like, all right it's something he believes or is he just giving you a hard no, he's time? just giving me a hard time but no, to this day, I'm, I'm maintain. You're the one who told me to go direct traffic. Well, that, that uh, brings me to something. I don't know. You would probably uh, remember it. I don't know if you would. Uh, but uh, when we first got body cams, mm-hmm. I'd write my uh, report. And uh, well, with the introduction of body cams, I would review my video. And I would have mm-hmm. things out of sequence. 
and I didn't realize it. But you, you yeah. watch those body cam, like you oh, start yeah. to write your report, and you watch your body cam, and you think mm-hmm. you you did the, you know I, I sat down first, and turned out you sat down first. I'm just right. making something small, yeah. but sure. in, in your mind, especially when something heavy is going on, mm-hmm. sometimes you get things out of sequence, and I really mm-hmm. noticed that when I started reviewing my body cams to write my reports. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I, you know, mm-hmm. I could swear that I did it like this. And then you watch the body cam and, and some things are out of sequence. And yeah. it's just like. You don't always remember. Everything yeah. No, you know, man, I've been screwing these reports up for yeah. like, you know, <laughs> in my case, like 10, 12 years. before yeah. as far as some sequence, you know, sure, things, yeah. not that make you probable cause on it, of course. Yeah. Well, sequence of events can get, you just don't remember it uh, correctly when yeah. heavy things are happening. I've you, noticed, you see it a different way. I've noticed well, the same thing. Like, well, well with what I'm doing now in, in the detective world side of things. I did the same thing where, like, I can tell you, okay, so, you know, I talked to this person and they told me this, and I talked to this person and they told me this, but I'll do that same thing where if I if I don't go back to my notes, I'll get it out of order with, like, yeah. who I talked to first, but, like, I can tell you what they told me, mm-hmm. and I can I can kind of recall the facts, but sequence is, is hard to get down, so right. body cams are, are a... You worked without body cams. And, I did, yeah. we, we got ours in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? When did uh, you start uh, 2000, with them? Oh... I don't remember when we first. I think probably fourteen yeah. was when we got. Well, we were some of the first ones around guess, to get yeah, them. Yeah, they were Y'all might have had them before us. Right. I can't remember, but these the ones we had were super cheap and they'd fly off. And yeah, I mean, it was hard to get used to. Yeah. Well, see, I've had body cams since I started in law enforcement. They've always been a thing. Yeah, you don't know what life was like without them. <laughs> no, I, I've never been a cop without a body well, cam. Well, they're super. Th- there's a lot of resistance to them uh, where I uh, worked and where I still do. I lot because mm. um, people just. Yeah. No, they didn't want the body cams in. Um, the third day of me wearing one yeah. got me out of a jam because we were this um, guy had he was a, a kind of a road rage slash domestic situation out on the highway and he had shot at a actually shot at a vehicle. He's in a, a black Camaro with orange racing stripes. Very unique vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we find one in the vicinity. We yeah. pull it over, take you know to do felony stop. They're pulling out at gunpoint. Well, I. Uh, as they're moving around and starting to kind of get out of the car, I, I, I could tell that, like, hey, this is not the suspect. It was two females, and the suspect was a uh-huh. male. Yeah. And I'm like, this isn't the right car. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a a black Camaro orange yeah. racing stripes, but this is not, not the right people. So I, there was troopers out with us and, and PD and SO units, and I waved them on, and I had a conversation with these people for, I can't remember how long it was, seven yeah. minutes or 11 minutes, I... I like explained to them in detail, yeah, like what was going on and why we did what we did and what because they were freaked out because they got pulled out at gunpoint and all that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Felt everything was fine, mm-hmm. and uh, they ended up complaining on me. And, and the complaint was that they did this, pulled their guns on us, you know, got us out of the car and all this stuff, and, mm-hmm. and never explained why. Well, this is literally the third day I had yeah. that body cam. I could play it and be like, "This is exactly what happened." And right. I spent, it, you know, yeah around 10 minutes explaining to him. I mean, the other guys went and searched for and found the suspect vehicle. And I didn't get to be involved in that till the end. Cause I was explaining it to these yeah. people, which but it, but it saved my ass, you know, right. because they, they, <laughs> yeah. and, and you have your, your in-car camera, but it's not nearly as good as the no. body cam. You have audio issues. If you get far enough away from your yeah. car, and all our, that good our stuff. old dash cams, if you got a, out of a certain vicinity, you wouldn't hear. I mean, you wouldn't hear yeah. anything on the. When you see people's no face and I mean, reactions and stuff like that with a body yeah. cam, because you're right there yeah. with them versus the the, the dash cam that, that you can't see all of that. Yeah. I mean, we have both, no, but it's, the, the body cam's much better. I think it, it's, it's, yeah, it's just yeah. a it's a great tool. It protects us. It's definitely a good thing now. I think. I mean, it holds mm-hmm. holds us accountable, which is what the public thinks. Yeah. That's they think that's what it's for, but it also holds them accountable. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly for situations like that. 
Yeah, you know? it holds everyone accountable. Uh, having never operated without one, like I've never had a problem with bug. I actually really like them. So yeah, right. if I'm going to deal with something that even might a little bit turn into something controversial, like I want to record it. Well, exactly. That's mm-hmm. what I was. I was yeah. a big. Well, I was the, the main guy that started. They got the ball rolling to get ours at our department because I just. I'm all about proving what we're doing and what we're doing is right. You know, yeah, if you're yeah. not doing things right, you don't need to be in the business anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, if you oh, yeah. want to hide things, then you need to go do something else, not be well, a cop. Yeah, if you have a problem wearing a body cam, then, you yeah, you shouldn't be hired on anywhere. I mean, if you're going to do the job right, then you should actually probably want to wear a body cam just for your own safety. Right, well, for sure. And I don't know if this is true. I, I heard that, uh, like, in the, when they were having riots in those larger cities, the cops were in body cams, and then I'm, mm-hmm. and they were seeing people misbehave and, and, and you know, proving kind of how things were going on mm-hmm. within these riots. Yeah. And that the, uh, I can't remember, it might have been in Ferguson or, or, yeah. or, or uh, St. Louis, somewhere like that, they told them, hey, when you're doing riot uh, duty, don't have your body camera on. Why? Because, I think because it was proven some things that were uh, going on within the crowd that yeah. was politically wasn't, uh, yeah. uh, I guess, good for the protesters. I don't know. Interesting. I, I can't. I mean, we'd have to look that up and see, but I, yeah. I remember it was a news report, but I mean, just because you hear it in a news report doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's true. I think we all know yeah. that. But, well, that's, that's fact. But it, it, it's, it's, it's so stupid. It sounds like it's probably true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I could see that, though, because, well, I'm, I can't name specific cities. I have to look it up. But someone was telling me not too long ago about... There was a big push in certain bigger cities for, like, these officers need to be wearing body cams. Like, they can't be trusted. They need to be recorded at all times. And these agencies got body cameras. They outfit all their officers with them. And now there's a big push because people aren't able to be found not guilty in their cases very often anymore because they've the cops have them on camera doing yeah, things. They want to get rid of them. Doing, mm-hmm. And so now there's a big push on, like, these body cameras are violating our privacy. I didn't consent yeah. to being recorded. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, well, make up your mind, pick your poison, you know? So, but I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of them. I, I like the body cams. Well, in the cost, it, it, the, uh, another thing, like the, the citizens don't realize is that it's a huge cost to it. Yeah, I mean, they're it's expensive. Oh, super. Well, and it's the, uh, the storage mm-hmm. yeah. it is uh, super expensive. Yeah. I mean, you're having, Larger cities, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars just for storage a year. Yeah. Well, the device itself is expensive because it's a it's a pretty fancy portable little camera. But you're right. Like if you're gonna have, I mean, even at a, a smaller, more rural, rural, I can't ever say that word, rural agency like ours, like on the average, like patrol shift, you're gonna record probably you know, at least a couple hours of video throughout oh, your yeah, shift. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, if not, you know, four or five hours of video. Hmm. That's every shift, and that's every deputy. Well, we're doing. I can tell you because I do that. That I mean, that's part of what I do in my job now. Is the purchasing in yeah. about seventy thousand a year just on the storage really? for our our in car and body yeah. cameras together. It's expensive. And the, the hardware, but the hardware kind of gets paid off, and you're still you have that core yeah. of the uh, um, the storage is, mm-hmm. is where the, the yeah. imagine for a major costs. city how much that would be. Well, that's I what, mean, it's got to be hundred. I imagine like nearly million million dollars. Dollars. Do the math. Big I mean, cities, yeah. super big cities. It's got to be a lot. But, and that, that factors into a larger problem too of like, you know, a law enforcement agency is no different than, than really any other, um, government run entity or any other business where we have a budget to operate off of. But if a certain amount of your budget is going into body cams and video storage and everything, like a lot of times that stuff's so expensive, like you don't have a lot of funds to work with 
other things. Well, yeah, other right things now. suffer because yeah. we have to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. well, one, it's mandated now, but two, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't, we would continue to do it because it, it yeah. comes in so useful it's for us. It's such a good tool that it's, it's, it's worth a, the money. Yeah, it's but, worth the money, but other things do suffer because mm-hmm. you can't just, there's not an unlimited supply of taxpayer money to fund law enforcement, yeah. and you've got no. to figure out what's the most important. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's not, there's too many, there's more important things than, than there is money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's wild. I think that's, that creates an interesting environment for, for the modern cop though, where, um, I think our agency is very good about finding money for training that, that our deputies want to go to. And, you know, if you want to learn something, you can, you can find a, a school for it and you can get trained up. But, um, I see a lot of officers at other agencies that are not as well funded where they're really kind of have to spend their own money to go train. Mm, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's sad. Yeah, it really is. But I mean, you know, I know guys that they want to be really good interdiction officers and they want to get dope off the streets and everything. And they're putting in training requests to their agency. Like, Hey, can I go to this interdiction school? Like, no, we can't afford it. So they're, they're taking money out of their own pocket and they're going to these schools mm-hmm. and they're, so good on them. Well, I think that shows the dedication of, of that. I think people don't see also in law enforcement yeah. is dedication to these guys to spend their own money. I think, mm-hmm. you know, some dude working at a bank probably ain't going to send himself to some kind of finance, you know, some three day finance school on his own. The bank's going to yeah. pay for him. It's just expected. Well, and that goes for a lot of public service jobs because I know like in education and, and teaching, which, which my wife is involved in teaching. And I mean, I, I know, you know, a lot of teachers spend their own money on, School supplies for kids, uh, yeah. decorating their classrooms, decorating mm-hmm. classrooms, like any yeah, number of shouldn't. things. But isn't that weird? Some of the, the like the most important jobs out there: educator, law enforcement. I'm sure there's guys in the fire service. We give them hell, but I'm sure there's guys yeah. in the fire service that probably send themselves to schools. Yeah, and, and that yeah. where their department isn't paying for it. Yeah, I guarantee it. But. And then there's the other things, like I pick on a banking industry. There's other, mm-hmm. uh, most of the uh, private sector yeah. probably sends their people, but the public servants are the ones having to spend their own money. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sometimes yeah. that's a, it's really sad, actually. Yeah, it does get really sad. That's the other, kind of going back to what you were talking about when we started talking about this, uh, this, this, uh, is it paraplegic? We were talking about this before we started recording paraplegic midget call. Quad- quadriplegic quadriplegic yeah quad, quad, yeah that <laughs> <laughs> but going back to that no like, legs no legs what, what you were saying like y'all got there and um like i mean you you barely had any swat experience at that time but i had a little more by that time i don't i can't remember exactly what year it was but oh, okay. I, i'd had a little more at that time okay well what did y'all have in terms of like equipment because i know like our team now our tactical team has a few more to- toys at our disposal, but what'd y'all have then? Like- at that point, all we had was a 37 millimeter, okay. which, which is a launcher. That, that's what we used to bust out the windows. We shot some, okay. some ferret rounds through the window to get the windows out. No. And outside of that, we had to call another agency in to get a drone just for some type of surveillance because well, we didn't was, have anything. Was that back when the uh, vests were... Um, no, we, like the, or would you have the newer vest then, or the because we because years ago when I was on it and, and think you were on at, I had, at that time you were newer, but it was it basically essentially almost more like a bomb suit because they were so we, heavy. We still had school equipment; nobody right. was maintaining it. <laughs> well, I had a, behind. Well, that was another thing that goes into it. It's kind of off topic to what you just brought mm-hmm. up, but you know they tell me, "Hey, you're in charge of this." Yeah, and you have a five thousand dollar budget to operate yeah, off that's of. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Like, well, we need, like, we're running out of the 80s here. It's like, this stuff is, yeah. we have helmets that look like they came from NOM. 
We have these <laughs> yeah. these vests that make us look like Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. We it's, we can't. And they were probably them. donated. I bet those helmets were some kind of military. It was probably some kind of surplus. The they probably did come from Vietnam. Right. <laughs> so, you know, we just we did the best with what we could. By that yeah. time, we had some some guys from the the sheriff's office that were on the team as well. Yeah. Um, now, not all of them came to that situation, but. Yeah, yeah, and that's a whole different story as to why that didn't happen. Was, but, was I on it then when that was happening? No, or? you weren't on it anymore. But I was too old um, by that time. <laughs> but there was just certain leadership that wasn't. They didn't. Yeah. They wanted. I, I was in charge of it. Yeah, but you can't do what you want. Type of deal. Yeah, in the, in the sense, like, in the sense of building your team or equipping it properly, and that right. that speaks to. Um, leaders that aren't exactly doing what the and administrators I should say right. uh, that aren't uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing uh, making the department better safer safer mm-hmm. for the citizens mm-hmm. they're just like give you a five which is ridiculous a five thousand um, dollar budget for a, a city with approximately sixteen thousand people mm-hmm. in their tax that has a lot going on major highways going through it mm-hmm. and uh, they want to spend five grand to, to equip their team and they having branched out of this little circle to see what exactly is right. going on in, in the tactical world. Yeah. And then uh, eventually when another department took that over, the SO, they sent us some guys to some schools, uh, like some real good schools in these, uh, and you can probably elaborate on it, right. but basically these teachers, these trainers are like, the hell are y'all? What the fuck are y'all from the 80s? Like yeah. you had draw posters, you had these bigger vests, all mm-hmm. this stuff was super antiquated and, and slows mobility down and all this stuff. Well, because they kept everybody so cocooned up, mm-hmm. nobody realized because they're all a bunch of young, what I call kids on this team. Yeah. Not yeah. real, you know. Not the the administrators at the time. That's on them, yeah. and I guarantee you, there's a lot of agencies like that, and that's sad. Well, yeah, uh, everything's sad well, to me. Yeah. When we had finally all, because nobody had ever went through SWAT school at all, when yeah, we finally see. get the green light to go to a SWAT school, mm-hmm. and we're taking all of our old equipment with us and. You know how other cops are. I yeah. Mean, you get, you get a, especially a group of guys in the tactical world. Yeah. It's it's a big group of jocks, you know. Oh, yeah. So everybody's sizing each other up. They, they're they mm-hmm. judging each I mean, that's just how it is. You're, oh, yeah. You're judging everybody to the last day. And well, they never your friends. should have been called SWAT either because right. there's, certain, there's certain requirements to that. But that at the time, that agency, that's what they – but that's not right. even what well, it should have been called. Yeah. Because it didn't meet the criteria to be a, a SWAT team, right. maybe ERT or these other things. It's, well, that, the names changed. Well, that's what we got questions asked about that. You know, we're at the SWAT school mm-hmm. with other actual SWAT teams, yeah. you know, and they're like – What's up with your equipment? Why do you call yourself SWAT? Y'all don't have y'all don't have yeah. some of the stuff that you should. Like, right. Like and, you meet their you know, our, our guns, our lights, just our vests, our helmets, and finally, it was just it was embarrassing. You know. Well, I'm sure. Well, they didn't know that, and, and I wasn't in a position <laughs> of leadership at that point, and, and it was these other people. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I want to talk about this because I know there's other agencies out there like that. That, yeah. and then it. It was embarrassing to you guys because you're there in front of these people yeah. and they're like, what the fuck's up with y'all? Instead of saying, mm-hmm. it's like, what the fuck is happening? Now, what mm-hmm. are you doing? It's yeah. screwing up. I didn't know any better until I started going to these schools oh, yeah. and, and talking to other people. I didn't know mm-hmm. how bad it was. And, yeah, you know, I started trying to change things and then ultimately stepped over to a different place, you know, to the sheriff's mm-hmm. office where I had more support. Yeah. I was able to do the things that need to be done, you know, needed changes. But and, leaders and administrators always need to branch out and, and see what's going on. Cause you spend too long in an office and all of a sudden you don't realize 
they're not carrying drop holsters anymore. You know, it's not, not yeah. 1991 anymore. Exactly. But people get stuck, and, you know, it, it's almost like they promote up, and whatever year they promote it, they never grow their career from that, in the sense of, yeah. like, keep up with modernization or anything. They just stay like it's when they made, I don't know, Lieutenant in 1993. They just keep it like that, mm-hmm. and, and it's 2013, 20 years later. Yeah. But to them, nothing's changed. Well, I see a lot of that. Like, people that just kind of get stagnant as they climb the ladder. But I also see, like, kind of with what you're saying where the, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like they basically asked you, like, hey, we want you to take over this extremely important, like, leadership role, and we want you to go conduct very dangerous operations. Right. But we're not going to let you do it the way that you think it needs doing. Like, you know, we're going to put you in harm's way, but we're going to decide. We're not going to get you the equipment you need. We're not going to send you to the schools you need to go to. Yeah. Yeah. But we want you to do this. And you're probably a bit green to be taking over such an undertaking anyway, but that speaks to the problems that that some agencies have with Mm -hmm. they don't have enough personnel to do things, but they have a need for it, Um, like like an ERT team or something. They have a need Mm -hmm. for some type of tactical team, but their agency's in turmoil or whatnot, and they're losing a lot of folks, and so they're putting a guy that's been on four years, you know, in a – command capacity mm-hmm. and then not send him to the schools it's just i guarantee it's it's just problematic you know yeah well i mean it yeah, yeah i was i had no business running any any aspect mm-hmm. of that team because yeah. I, I hadn't even got to be on it as an operator before mm-hmm. they were told you told me that i was in charge yeah. of it you know like <laughs> yeah you're the boss of it now hey, congratulations like, you just how? like i'm have not i didn't even <laughs> operate <laughs> you know I, I don't know what i'm doing and, and that shows what you know small and um, smaller cities smaller counties go through that and you're talking population sixteen thousand, twenty-five thousand. you know it, yeah. it's just uh you know unfortunately they get into those situations but at the same time you still have all the all these high speed things we've talked about with mm-hmm. uh you know a midget with you know shooting at officers or these yeah. other standoff situations we've had where yeah. we've had shots being fired and had to do things um things still happen in smaller areas yeah and, and need a capable competent uh team but mm-hmm. sometimes leaders don't want to uh do what it takes to get mm-hmm. that done and, and send people pr- proper training yeah. super important and, yeah i had the aspirations for all of those things you know i, I sure. wanted our team to be the best that it could be mm-hmm. you know i just didn't get the cooperation that i needed for it yeah you know? And yeah. once us as a group, it was, it, it's real funny because when we've had our first call up, which mm-hmm. it was for like a search warrant or something like that, man, we were like a bunch of little kids. I mean, me yeah. being the leader, I'd never done, I'd never been on one yet. Yeah. And neither did uh-huh. any of the guys on the team. So I didn't know. See, and I didn't even know this, man. I didn't know that uh, yeah. they, because I was off of it that, because it was mm-hmm. at the time it was a multi, it was a, uh, what did you call it? The multi-agency, multi-agency team. Uh, joint task. And then I got off. I didn't know you guys had all that turmoil, yeah. and I didn't know that. So y'all are running raids with nobody that had that had ever actually right. deployed our very, before. Our very first raid as a group was just we were all rookies because Everybody, all the, all the other people had quit. We never knocked yeah. in a door ever, or yeah. cleared a house, or done anything. Mm-hmm. You know, so me being the leader, I mean, I should be able to be like, okay, guys, you know, yeah, here's I know you're excited, do. but you got to calm down. We got to. Yeah. No, I'm just with, I'm with them. You know, I'm jumping <laughs> yeah. up and down. Like, couldn't sleep the night before because you know that's how excited you are for this deal, but you're also <laughs> nervous because you know, like, oh, crap, I'm I gotta well, I gotta put and... get to put together this ops this ops plan and yeah. you know decide what order the stack's gonna be in, like where I'm gonna mm-hmm. put perimeter units and like, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, well, so. <laughs> now I want to ask you: Do you think that if uh, again, because I wasn't involved, and you were at another agency at that time, but um, do you think that if something uh, bigger would happen, maybe a guy that was a barricaded subject with a gun at that time, do you think they would have uh, 
called a surrounding uh, team to come in on something like that? Uh, I, th- I think so. I don't think they would have used us for. I mean, there was times where we felt like we should have been called up and they didn't, or they would, you know, handle it with one or two of us or something like that. I mean, we'd had situations where we mm-hmm. deployed gas and they put this team on standby, but nobody get nobody would show up. Well, how you who's know? deploying gas? Somebody else that's yeah. See that gets involved. That was that was uh, the deal. Yes, no, only one person was allowed to do that, and he had access to all. It was all under lock and key, and he was the only one that could do it. Yeah, and so and he was the ultimate, just you know, deciding factor on whether it was deployed or not. Mm-hmm. So if he was out of town or wherever, we, yeah, no, I guess we you, had no. We had, lose that capability. We had no. In which at that time we we called ourselves SWAT. But we had no special weapons or tactics. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. we were at the state mandated training to be called that type of a team. Yeah, no, yeah. we were just yeah. just this group of guys that mm-hmm. trained every two weeks and yeah. did the best we could. Cause we, again, I didn't know what to, I didn't yeah. even know what to do for training. You mm-hmm. know, I would show yeah, up that's... and we'd get a school or, and we'd start, you know, clearing it like we mm-hmm. thought we were doing it right, you know, just yeah. the best we could. Well, and I mean, even even so, like not having all the the training or equipment that you you really ought to have, like it doesn't matter how big your jurisdiction is. Like you're going to get those situations where, hey, this started as a as a as a domestic call. Like you got husband beating on wife, and yeah. patrol showed up, and the patrol officer started dealing with it. And the next thing you know, this dude fired an AR-15 at the patrol guys, and they've backed out of the house now, and he's barricaded in there. He has a hostage. Like this is a SWAT situation. And this is what you're going to be called to deal with. And, you know, you may not be, you may not have the tools that you need right. for that. But nonetheless, it's not like you can just leave and be like, well, sorry, lady. No, like, you got to do something. Yeah, like we, you got to do what you can. So Especially, I mean, our area, we don't have the luxury of having somebody no. that close. And no. Yeah. It's commendable that you guys uh, stepped up because everybody, I mean, the whole people with experience at all quit. Yeah. But because yeah. there's issues, you know. Yeah. Which we're not gonna start just beat up on one agents or anything, no. but there's issues and everyone left and they brought a pair unbeknownst to me, they brought a completely new yeah. fresh group of guys that had no experience. I didn't know that. Well that's what had happened is I got to go to I, it was my first I did have one class that I went to and I went to it at our hard entry school with with another another officer. And how I ended up being the team leader after that was one of the Instructors was our chief's, uh, what was he? His brother-in-law, and oh, so okay. he had put a call into the chief and said, "Hey, this this Fisher guy did pretty good. Maybe mm-hmm. you know he did." Yeah, and he knew they were rebuilding the team, yeah, looking knew, for leaders like, and stuff like yeah, that. And so, like, I think yeah. you know, I think he'd be a good one. And so that's mm-hmm. chief was like, "You're the guy." They said you do good, so yeah. okay, like, okay, here we go. Well, I guess and to be fair, what's that chief going to do when he has not you know? six, seven, or eight, or whatever, however many, you know, basically newer guys to an, uh, a team like that. Yeah. Other than, than take uh, what these guys in the, at this training are saying, hey, these guys kind of stood out and amongst now, those eight people. And it's not even the same team mm-hmm. now at all. I'm the only original person, you know. One, really? A lot of them moved on. One mm-hmm. of them's in prison. I mean, <laughs> it's so, that's <laughs> just. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, how ironic. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but it, but it, it's it's a whole lot more structured now with meeting criteria to be trained oh, yeah. and, and um, with equipment and all that. I mean, it's really over the last several years been well, built we up took to what a, it needs to be. Yeah. And I was we took a more of a uh, 
more stance on being more physically fit because at that time there was no standards. We had, yeah. we called them standard. We had a test that they had to take. Well, mm-hmm. even if they didn't pass the test, they got on the team. So what was the point yeah. of doing the test? And that was another administrative decision. And that was an administrative right? decision. Yeah. We're like, well, he tried hard or he, you know, he, we don't have anybody else. So let's just go ahead and put him on the team. Well, I'm sorry. Or it's not. like going to try out for baseball and, you yeah. know, you, you suck, but yeah. they're going to let you. What's the point well, of trying like, out? Because there's not enough players, so we're going to have to have this kid. Right. We, don't, we don't have any pitchers, so I don't know. I, I get that he can't throw with the shit, but we're yeah. going to have to put him in there. The I mean, thing is, though, like. We're playing a very dangerous game. Yeah, it's not know? baseball. Yeah. It's like, hey, this guy can make a poor decision and, and yeah. you know do something when he's not supposed to, or yeah. not do something when he should and get himself killed. I mean, yeah, it's, we're, it's a big deal. We're not right. doing the thing where, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna play hard, and even if we lose, we're still gonna go get ice cream later. Like, right. This is not so, that type of thing. But again, but smaller town USA, I can guarantee you, there, there's similar stories all throughout the country where yeah. people have similar type situations, mm-hmm. especially when you have some poor leadership mixed in there, and then just the. Uh, I guess transient nature of uh, smaller town, mm-hmm. you know, uh, law enforcement. I would say ten to twenty five thousand people. Uh, yeah, that's all pretty small town. I mean, you get certain, you know, yeah, two thousand well, people. Yeah. Well, you you probably don't aren't going to have a team like that. But no. yeah. team uh, towns ten thousand or more. I'm sure they probably have some variation of teams. Simply. Well, and one thing that's cool to see, at least where we are now, is uh, you know I wasn't there when the whole thing started. I'm, I'm that was before my time, but seeing where our current agency's tactical team is at now, um, it sounds like it's made leaps and bounds of improvement. And then I know that, you know, you guys have even been called by other jurisdictions for some kind of mutual aid request right. yeah. where I mean, we serve an area, I yeah. would say that, you yeah. know, but it's cool to see it go from like, Hey, this is kind of just a hodgepodge ragtag group with no mm-hmm. standards to being a very squared away team right. that like other counties are calling saying, Hey, we have quite the situation here. Can y'all come right. and, and conduct these operations? So. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a complete turn from what, what we used yeah. to have. Well, do you think your early days in that was seeing it done wrong and, and then uh, knowing you didn't have enough training and the guys didn't? Do you think that probably made you a better leader on that team because you're like, hey, I know that this is not how you do it, so mm-hmm. I know that when I'm making decisions, I'm going to do this. Well, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I went through, you know, so many ups and downs with it that it was yeah i mean i had to push through a lot of things because i was yeah i was always the constant you know mm-hmm. and i knew that i, was, I wasn't going to get off of it you know yeah. I, yeah. at that time i was committed mm-hmm. you know to you know whether the guy beside me was on it next week i didn't know but yeah i was going to be there so yeah, yeah exactly uh, but you know once we finally started getting you can just see a different in the mindset mm-hmm. now that the type of people that we're getting on these teams now yeah. that it's just the not only the physical fitness part of it, but just your your camaraderie. That's just like yeah. There, there's a whole different type of trust that I have in my guys now than mm-hmm. I did back then. Not that I didn't trust those guys because sure. yeah. you know most of them we some of them we still work with them. You know, mm-hmm. patrol of course, now yeah. and, you know now and yeah. again, or you know some might be in prison. So I don't necessarily <laughs> trust that guy. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I trusted them. On a, a, there's a difference between a patrol. Mm-hmm. trust and when you're in or in a house yeah some kind of situation kind of trust yeah that and that's what different. we have now you mm-hmm. know and you know i would i would gladly you know take these guys to any kind of you know any battle you know yeah yeah which is awesome because i mean we all we all know that we can get called to any sort of like super nasty situation where i mean we, we you could be going into that house knowing that the likelihood that you're about to get into a very close quarters gunfight is very high. Mm-hmm. And so you you want to go in there with people who 
you trust and not like, yeah. hey, when the shooting starts, like, is this dude going to bail on me or? Well, you know. now, I mean, those those situations are on the rise. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, me and Brandon just, you know, we topped up a, a sheet the other day that had, you know, I wouldn't call it statistics, but it's kind of statistics. I mean, yeah. it just shows an increase from last year to this year of how many tactical, SWAT you know, deployments si- or- I'll call them tactical situations or mm-hmm. something that the team was yeah, was essentially, essentially ER, ERT uh, callouts. Um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it, it had uh, grown by about 50 percent over the mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, um, and so when it, when I started, you know, when we put this team together, we were we were nothing but a, a warrant service team. You know, yeah. we call ourselves SWAT, but yeah, we, didn't, we never went out on anything. anything yeah. You know, any other type of SWAT callout. Well, right, know. yeah, and those, I mean, those types of operations though can still be highly dangerous because oh, definitely. You know, you you've got this, you've got your patrol guys or some guys working narcotics, and they're like, hey, we uh, have been conducting investigations, and you know, we've we've established probable cause, and we've we've got these facts and circumstances that tell us that these four guys in this house, they've got guns, they've got dope, they've got you know, whatever that they're not supposed to have and they get a search warrant to hit that. But that is a very, very tactical team necessary type of situation because if you're, if you're going to go up against potentially four armed and dangerous felons, then yeah. And I guess to clarify law enforcement, tactical teams, I think have a, an obvious operational difference between uh like the the law enforcement and the military have a difference because you can't go in there with the mindset of like we're gonna hit this house we're gonna kill everyone in there right you actually want to do the opposite of that like we would like to take everyone out of there alive well that's what we've been we've we've talked to well we used to have a guy on the team that was former army yeah and he he said a situation like this is way different because we would always kind of lean on him you know like well how'd y'all do in the army he's that he's like no you got it wrong he's like what we did in the army yeah. is not like what we did here. Mm-hmm. Because if we were going to clear this room and we knew there was bad guys in there, we would just throw a grenade in there. <laughs> yeah. you know, we're not that going in there to have a gunfight with them. We'll just yeah. blow them up. Mm-hmm. We have to go in there. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's the difference. Between and that's it. a big misconception, again, that, that admins and administrators uh, have is that, hey, this guy was – um, he has prior army, has prior Marines. Right. Let, let's uh, stick him on the team. And hey, he may have great tactics, but yeah, that guy's got to realize uh, that the mission is completely different. Because yeah, you're going in there. I mean, if you're in Afghanistan, I mean, the the, the mission is to go in there and clear this mm-hmm. this uh, whatever these these little apartment things they have over there that, that to. Well, you're killing people. I mean, right. you're going there. You're yeah. eliminating the enemy is what you're doing. Yeah, well, we're not. We don't do that as cops. We don't eliminate the enemy yeah. unless the enemy enemy is trying to eliminate us, mm-hmm. or it appears that they're trying to eliminate us. Yeah, right? the, well, so the, the standard really different. Yeah, the standard for that lethal force is way different. It's yeah, rules of engagement are yeah. totally you know. Yeah, we we operate on last resort lethal force, and you know they're getting to operate on. Yeah, I mean, they they have a standard there where depending on certain factors, they can kill dudes in their sleep. You mm-hmm. know, so. Exactly. It's, it's Which different. in prior military, but Marines and Army guys are is super great to have on a, oh, a tactical yeah. team. But I, the point we're trying to make is they, mm-hmm. those, yeah. those oh, two yeah. jobs are entirely different. What you do in the military versus what you do in right. you know uh, cop land. Yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah. totally different missions. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, it, it is. A, most people think that just because you're on a, we don't have anybody on our tact team with prior military at all. Yeah, and that would surprise a lot of people because they, they mm-hmm. would think, well, that I mean. To be honest, yeah. some kind of team like that, you've got to have some kind of yeah, military background. I feel like background. we're getting as many, even just in general, uh, applications in law. We used to, like, saw, <laughs> call it 10 years ago, we were getting more uh, 
applicants that have military experience, but now hey, we can't get applicants period yeah. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Nobody can, even these bigger agencies. Yeah. But yeah. we're and it seems like fewer and fewer military folks are wanting to get into law right. enforcement. And that's it's <laughs> almost what I did whenever I got yeah. a because I told y'all before that I wanted to you know be a, I always wanted to be a cop. Yeah. Well, we graduated high school. I was like, what am I gonna? How am I gonna kill four years before I turn twenty one? Because I was like, mm-hmm. college ain't for me. Like I I know I can't go to college. I was like, I got to do something. Yeah. So at my senior year, I was thinking about all that and being my best friend. I'm like, hey, let's join the army. Yeah. And we're like, I'm like, oh yeah, that's 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 a good idea. So mm-hmm. you know, we hit up these recruiters, and of course they're like, yeah, come on down. And yeah. So we start talking to them, and <laughs> and they're like, well, what do you think you want to do? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I think I want to I want to be a cop, so I want to be an MP. Yeah. And they're like. No, no, you don't want to. You don't. <laughs> you like, don't want to do that. You like. You don't want to be an MP. They, everybody in, in the military hates the MPs. You don't yeah. want to be hated. I'm like, okay, well, I was like, my cousin's a. He's a tanker. He's he's yeah. currently in. I was like, I'll, I want to be a tanker then. And they're like, that's yeah. a good choice. Well, you can do that. And my friend, he chose uh, infantry. Yeah. And so we, you know, we basically verbally committed to these guys. We're like, hey, this is what yeah. we're doing. So this is what we're gonna do. We took the ASVAB, passed all those, all that stuff, mm-hmm. and so they would. They'd randomly come and get us out of school at yeah. you know senior year. We're just they, you'd see them at the at the window of your you know, be an English class, and they'd knock on the window like, "Can I get a Mr. Fisher, please?" And the teacher would be like, "Yeah." Okay. And they had to let them go. They, yeah. they had to let us go. They had no choice. Yeah. So you know they'd just come get us out of school for really? no reason, and we'd just go hang out with them. Okay. You know, I guess just to make us comfortable. And I'm like, yeah. this is great. Like, this is awesome. This is the best decision I've ever made in my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they're playing. They're, they're, they're uh, politicians. They're playing oh, yeah. a game to get you to sign that paper. Yeah, so well, you're I'm, stuck. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to get this bonus. <laughs> I'm going to do funny. all these cool things. And, yeah. But one of the, my recruiter, he was like, hey, there's going to be one hiccup. Because mm-hmm. back then I was I was a bigger boy. You know, yeah. I, I weighed probably 240 to 250 at that time. Mm, okay. You know, I was always kind of – I was – fit athletic you know yeah. i played sports but yeah. I, I was chunky mm-hmm. and they were like you're gonna you're probably gonna be over the body fat percentage that they require yeah so you're probably gonna end up having to cut some weight and i'm like okay that's fine he's like but sure. we got we got a plan we'll we'll get it figured out <laughs> so the time comes to where we we have to go to maps you, you know what maps are? Uh, yeah so they uh they haul us over and mm-hmm. They're like, okay, we're gonna go to Walmart. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna send you in. You need to get a box of Saran wrap, a tube of Preparation H, and a <laughs> bottle of magnesium nitrate. Okay. I'm like, okay. And I had to pay off pay for this out of my pocket. And go in there. <laughs> the government wouldn't pay for it. No, 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 no. So he's they're just waiting on the parking lot. I go into Walmart, buy this stuff. I'm like, okay, I got it. And I'm like, all right, let's go to the hotel. Yeah. Go to the hotel, and I have to strip down into my shirt or no shirt. I feel like he's visiting confess. Is this no crime? Like, <laughs> no, no Going to confide something with us? Are you happening in a different no, no crime. But so recruiter starts rubbing preparation H all over my belly. Mm. And he's like, this is going to make you cut, cut inches overnight. And I'm like, okay. Is it though? So he puts this stuff all over me, wraps me in saran wrap real tight. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's like, this is uncomfortable. And they're like, you need to drink that whole bottle of magnesium nitrate. And if you're not familiar with what that does to you, mm. I mean, you, I shit all night long wearing saran wrap preparation H mm-hmm. and I get the wake up call because they wake you up at like 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, it's time to yeah. go to MEPS. Yeah. So I go downstairs and there's all these other 
dudes down there from all different, you know, you know, they're going yeah. to Coast Guard or Marines. All There's all different life. branches down there. Yeah. They're all down there eating their, you know, pancakes or waffles, whatever the hotel had and having a good mm-hmm. old time hooping and hollering. I'm miserable. They're like, you can't eat in the morning. <laughs> Do not eat. No breakfast. Okay. And I couldn't eat supper that night before either. Mm. I'm like, all right. So we get on the bus, go to MEPS. And sure enough, I go through all the stuff. Everything's everything's going great. Well, they get to the point where they, they measure my my body fat and they're like, yeah, you're over. So you're going to have to do the step test. Oh. And by that time I was so miserable and I had a lot of time to think cause I didn't sleep. I was mm. like, you know, I think I jumped into this way too fast. <laughs> I did not think about this very much. <laughs> so I remember going outside. I was like, can I have a little bit? And they're like, yeah. yeah. So I go, go outside and I call my dad and I'm like, I don't know if I made the right decision here. I don't, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not liking this anymore. Yeah. And he's like, if you're not comfortable, don't do it. This is the time to, you know. Well, yeah, you're, yeah. you're bumping up against that, like, no turning back. Right. Yeah, you're, you're like, because yeah, I, I would have passed the, they were going to make me do a step test. Is mm-hmm. what, and you'd step up and down on this box and they, you know, check your heart rate, make sure you're, mm-hmm. you're good yeah. to go. And they're like, and then they like overlooked the body fat deal. Sure. And so, as soon as I passed that, it's, you go, it's swearing time. Yeah. Know? And then you finish your senior year and then you ship out or whatever. Yeah. But, you're, you're committed. And so, I, you know, I talked to my dad and he was like, yeah. And he's like, I don't, he's like, you need to do it now if you don't want to do it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't think I want to do it. So, uh, go and tell the, the people that were at MAPS. I was like, you know what? I'm, I said, I don't think I want to go through this anymore. Yeah. And they were like, okay, well, we'll call your recruiter. So they called the recruiter and he shows up, does not say a word. <laughs> And super pissed. Picks me up. Oh, he's mad. I mean, he's real mad. He immediately goes to Rose's Cafe mm-hmm. and gets like eight bean burritos. And I'm still starving. I hadn't eaten still. Yeah. You know, big boy wanted to eat. Still a hungry man. And he gets eight bean burritos. Doesn't ask if I want anything. He still hadn't said a word. And he just sits there the whole drive from A to B, smacking on these burritos, mm. staring off the road. All right. that, that's when I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I made the right decision on this. <laughs> Don't they yeah. get bonuses or something for oh, yeah, people they sign up? Which, even, I mean, you, you got to give them incentives, so I'm not knocking that, but I'm no. just saying they, they get some kind of – Yeah, they get like, some They get some yeah. kind of, you know, like a commission off of it. Okay. You know, yeah. And I don't blame them for being mad, but also, you know, I was like, I got to think about me here a little bit, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, you know, they, you know, painted everything to be rainbows and butterflies. Oh, and I'm sure my, they did, my yeah. buddy – which we didn't get to see each other. We went at the same time, but they kind of like separated us. And I had no idea where he went. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they separated us by like what we were going to do in the milk, like in the army, like, cause he was chose infantry. He went to a different side or I don't know, but yeah. he, uh, he went through with it and he didn't even know that I had left until he <laughs> called me later. And he was like, <laughs> he's like, Hey, so how'd your swearing go? I was like, I didn't do it. He's like, what? <laughs> well, you know, we, he, he wasn't mad at me. He's like, well, I guess yeah. I'm going to the army. Oh, okay. so he ended up going. To, <laughs> How did he do? I'm sure he had successful because it is good for a lot, a lot of people. I mean, it's yeah, a very positive he went. Thing. He went and did. You know, he uh, he ended up in Iraq. Uh, they didn't by that time because that was you know 08, 09, Everything in Iraq it kind of it was you know pre ISIS, but you know post yeah. you know the, the war storm. So it was just kind of they were just kind of there. Yeah. Uh, didn't do much. He's he was miserable. He was like, I'm doing. I, he'd call me every so often, and he'd be like, as soon as I get my four years, I'm out. Yeah, he said I'm, I'm done. done, and so that's what he did. So, huh. that's crazy. Well, I guess the the experience with the recruiter was 
Not really the best. <laughs> no. Well, I think it probably if you hadn't had to wrap yourself in saran wrap and cover yourself oh, yeah. in preparation H or whatever, all that <laughs> yeah. had all that not happened, you you might have went ahead and went into oh, yeah. it. You just had a bad experience yeah, too with these guys, and they were probably so focused on just trying to get you to cut that weight and all that, they didn't think mm-hmm. about maybe selling a little bit better, or mm-hmm. maybe you needed another six months or something to work out and then cut that that yeah. weight. They were kind of. Yeah, because I mean, it's yeah, fast. Yeah. Once you once you tell these guys, you're like, "Hey, I'm interested." It's like, yeah. "Okay, let's go. Let's like, keep okay, going hey, through sign it." This. Look at this. Do yes. This. Yeah. So that's and that's what we fell into, and yeah, you know, the money caught our eye. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, and I was I was already with my my now wife at that time too, and you know, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take you know, you can yeah. you can move with us, you know, wherever I end up stationed, you move yeah. in, they'll you take care of us, whatever." And yeah, it'll be awesome. Yeah. yeah, and she never liked the idea either. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's probably for the best. Then, <laughs> hey, can I go back? Because I'm sure people are wondering you because you mentioned it twice about the guy going to prison, which oh, that yeah. was a, a national uh, news story, and it was <laughs> one we want to say that it wasn't anything on an ERT team or any law enforcement. Uh, oh, involved yeah. thing. Yeah. But you, you elaborate a little of, bit I, about that guy, I, I which a lot of people already know him. I, I kind of left that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I'm going to go ahead and say his name because it's out yeah, there. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's in prison now where he should be. If you're curious, you can look it up on Dateline. Oh, yeah. There's, it's a, out there. there's yeah. a great Dateline episode it's about out there. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Timothy Dean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He yeah. was he was a sergeant at the at the police department while I was there. He's actually an officer when I first started, but, you know, he made his way up the ranks. Sure. He was always kind of a quiet guy, but. Never expecting him to be a murderer, but, <laughs> but yeah, was, I mean, he ended up being the, the, when he got off of the, the SWAT team at that time, he had taken a chief of police position in a real small town and, mm-hmm. and that's where it all went downhill, I guess. Yeah. He had some issues with, uh, I'm not too, let me think about that. He, uh, was it his. What was it? Who who did he kill? He so, killed two people. Yeah, he killed two people. He killed it was his current I don't know if they ever got married, but it was his current girlfriend, fiance, wife, whatever you want to call her. It was her the father of her children. Okay, and so his her ex. and his wife. Oh, it, okay. Yeah, you know, he, he killed them two in New York. He tr- drove all the way to New York mm-hmm. from Texas. From Texas. Yeah. Overnight. Had a wreck on the way up there right. and rented a different car. Yep. I think that was God telling him, hey, it's probably not a good idea to go out here exactly. and kill these people. Yeah. He's like, nah, I'm fine. And he keeps going, basically. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was very brutal. I mean, he, oh, yeah. he walked we up. in front of their child. Their, their child's in the car. He walks up and he shoots both of them point blank. And then just leaves, drives back to Texas. And he was and, working for free. He wasn't even a cop at that time. He's working for, um, he was working for a, um, Potato chip company, I'll say. I don't yeah, know if it matters. Working I mean, for like, yeah. yeah. I mean, of course, they had nothing to do with it either. But I mean, well, yeah, he wasn't yeah, a cop anymore. Yeah, he, he, he had like, some issues and got fired. Well, yeah, there yeah. was a there was a video of him uh, slapping his young daughter. And I don't remember how old she was really? at the time, but yeah, it was, and I actually saw the video whenever hmm, the, okay. it was under investigation with yeah. You know, when I was a when I was a detective at the police department, yeah, the Texas Rangers were investigating him, and they had brought okay. in and we. They were kind of yeah. so he did that when he was with the PD that you worked at, right? He and that's, did the the uh, child abuse, yes. And then he got fired for it, yes. So he was terminated before he became a murderer, right? Did he okay. have any charges? So what happened with those charges? How come he wasn't in jail um, for that, or was it still pending in court? Because I think all that was still, I think that was all still pending, okay. And 
the and CPS had taken away her children because okay. she there she was they were all living together. Okay. So CPS took her kids away and gave them to the dad in New York. And that's where and the so that's came where in. okay, you know, he was, you know, and my and I don't know for sure, but I I think he he was thinking, well, you know, I I messed this up, so I'm going to fix it for you, you know. Yeah. And so be. they came up with this plan that he was going to go murder him, and then they'd have no choice but to give the kids back because they took the kids yeah. away because of him because right. his uh, child abuse to his right. own kid. But he's with, hooked up with this girl, mm-hmm. and she has her kids, and they take their kid, her kids away because yep. she's with Tim Dean. Mm-hmm. Give them to this guy, <laughs> yeah. so he drives his ass up to New York and kills him a few months later. Yep. While his child abuse uh, charges are pending in Texas, right? But he's already been fired from the PD. Yeah, that's so crazy. That was all before my time in the law enforcement. Did you world. Did you know about it before you came up so here? I heard about that, but I didn't really realize like kind of where that all happened. Like, because I remember hearing about like, oh yeah, this like former chief of police somewhere like was involved in this murder scandal but uh, it wasn't until like i actually got involved at my my first uh agency up here where i realized that that oh that happened like in this in this area like that's where that's where he used to be a cop and so that was really interesting to me but i'm with you like because correct me if i'm wrong but on his way up to new york from texas he doesn't he hit a deer is that no he chose he was trying to do it I guess he got lost or something. He was uh-huh. trying to do a U-turn and fell off into it like a ditch or hit like a culvert oh, and got stuck. Okay. Yeah. And then I think it was in Kansas. Yeah, it was in Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. And then a, a sheriff's deputy pulls up on like him. Like checks on him. And right. He knew, and the yeah, deputy they, knew something was up. Yeah. He, he, uh, uh, he was throwing off some indicators. Tim Dean was, some criminal indicators that yeah. all his cops are trained to, like, huh, to look for. Now, he had no idea what exactly he was yeah. doing, but he knew he was up to no good, but he just couldn't. He, he was like, he watched the enough, body cam because yeah. they played it on yeah. the news. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's crazy to me because I'm with you. Like, okay, you're on your way across multiple states to go commit a double homicide. And then, like, that's, that's your, that should be, if you didn't have any other wake up call, that should be it. Like, you know, you, you had this little thing that happened on the side we'll of the road. We'll call it divine intervention. Divine like, intervention boom, you know, you turn, screw up, hit a culvert. Like, and now he's been identified by, by local law enforcement there who checks out with him. And, and I'm sure he could tell that that cop was, uh, was onto him. Well, yeah, was onto him. I mean, maybe yeah. not. He knew he was going to murder people in New York, but onto <laughs> but him. knew something just, was going well, on. Well, he had several weapons, like an AR. Yeah, and, and I think they saw him and yeah, a oh, shotgun. And yeah. Really? I think yeah. he might have had some body armor. Yeah, he, he, he did have some body armor. It, it's, it's, yeah, there's, we'll a, see. there's a story about it, like on 2020 or Dateline or something. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a, a 2020 episode on it. So it's, it's Dateline. There's, there's a yeah. whole Dateline episode. And it, it shows that body cam video of that deputy <laughs> up in Kansas. It shows his interaction with yeah. Dean. That's so crazy, though. Like, if ever there was a chance, like, a sign to, like, turn around and, like, don't do this, like, that was it. Like, oh, yeah. It had to have been right there. But that is such a, that's so crazy. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was. That was, well, and you don't want to be put on the map by our area. Be put on the no, map by that. No, no. 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 But, but, it's it's public knowledge. But it also but, shows you that law enforcement investigates and goes after their own, and which they should. Yeah, mm-hmm. he should have been. His ass should have been fired, and was from the PD when mm-hmm. he got in trouble for that uh, child abuse. And then obviously they. I mean, I was. Uh, yeah. All I did was block the streets. But when they had that uh, SWAT team from Austin come up, mm-hmm. uh, DPS uh, SWAT team came yeah. and did that raid on his house to take him into custody. Mm-hmm. And they. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they drove that. I think Bearcat into through his 
fence, and I mean, it was a yeah. real aggressive takedown. Yeah. But we thought that he was probably going to step outside or or just kill himself, like commit yeah. suicide, Someone, he, yeah. Yeah. or shoot it out. And yeah. he didn't either. He gave up. Which yeah, is they they blew his doors off. They did an explosive breach on his door and blew the doors completely <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were serious about I, it. I'd probably recommend the same thing. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm no expert, but I'm like, hey, this dude, like. He's a trained cop and everything, and if he knows that he's he's pretty much dead to rights, like this. Well, he killed two well. people. He has law enforcement yeah. training. Those are tactics. We even hit it. I say we. Uh, I was again. I was a perimeter guy on the, yeah. on the road. Yeah, but yeah. They they hit it um, at a different time than we normally uh, serve search warrants because. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thinking was, hey, if he thinks we might be coming, he's going to be ready around these hours. And so we yeah. hit it at a different, a little bit, yeah. a different time. You were, you, were you out there or, or no. anything on that? Mm-hmm. No, I kind of, we kind of kept our distance, you know, just because, not that I had a personal connection with the guy, you know, but yeah, we knew him, you know. Oh, of course, yeah. Like, yeah. I knew who he was. stay away from it, just cleaner that way. Just Well, I remember the, the yeah. sheriff and chief deputy called me into the, I came to work and they, they called me into the office at like mid-morning or something. They're like, listen to this. And it was a phone, it was a voicemail from a news reporter in New York. Yeah. And she was asking about him. Uh, just what we knew, uh, I guess, because we're the sheriff's office and where those cities are at. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what the hell is she? We didn't know what she was talking about. Well, then we got to looking at it and, and figured out, like, wow. Oh. And then um, <laughs> and then there's some things going on uh, later that, I mean, they were tracking his phone yeah. and doing some stuff. That's so crazy. Uh, to try to, um, you know, I mean, they could follow him. I mean, he has a damn phone with him. He's an idiot. Yeah. yeah. You would think a cop of all people would know better. Yeah. With all the ways that you track people. I don't like. know that he necessarily what i don't think he was not trying to get caught you know what i mean i think he was just trying to get back home and then whatever he's very reckless you know i mean obviously the dude's not not right i'm not saying he's a a middle and doesn't need to be in prison but he's an evil dude yeah anybody would do that is evil oh yeah he already had issues with his kid he already displayed you know some sociopathic type of behavior you know i think anybody that that uh whacks on their kid yeah Mm -hmm. other than like a regular spanking has some issues and damn sure somebody that drive up Howard twenty four hour drive to go kill two people and then and then do it has yeah. got some real issues and need oh, to be yeah. in prison. Oh yeah, yeah. no doubt. Hmm. It's a wild story. One thing, one thing you mentioned um, during that 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 kind of reminded me. So the last episode we did, Jones and I kind of we we ended up doing kind of a brief walkthrough of like some of the cool assignments that we've got to do so far in our careers. And you mentioned whenever you were a detective for the the city PD. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I, was, I meant to ask you earlier, and I forgot, but so you start as a, like a patrol officer at the city PD. Correct. Walk us through like your, your assignments as like to where you've got now. So worked patrol officer for, you know, I don't, I don't know like the time frames on everything. So yeah, that's whatever. Worked my way up as a patrol officer, ended up being an FTO. Mm-hmm. Um, then I went into the detective into CID, became a detective for a while. Mm-hmm. Then I got promoted to corporal and came back out of detectives and went back to the street. And, and that was another thing that I, I never got a, most corporals are not, you know, they're the sergeant runs the shift. You have mm-hmm. a corporal that kind of fills in first sure. line top yeah. stuff covers. If the sergeant's not there mm-hmm. or, or helps cover vacations, whatever. Yeah. Not me. It was a corporal Fisher. you this is your shift now. Okay. So I'm the, really, I was the sergeant. But getting corporal pay and at the corporal stripes, but, but there was no. I was, sergeant. I was a sergeant, and no, really, no sergeant hmm. at all. And that that happened to several people. Really, that's. I mean, that's kind of how being a corporal was over there. But that's you know, <laughs> came out. Yeah, got a shift, uh, and then eventually they promoted me to sergeant. Yeah, and kept that shift, 
for however long, and then I ended up going back into CID. Okay. Uh, after that, and then once I went to the, I went to the sheriff's office from I was working in CID at the PD when I went to the sheriff's office. Okay, gotcha. So you go to sheriff's office, and then you're patrol deputy there. Patrol deputy. Okay. For a little while, mm-hmm. and then patrol sergeant. And, okay. Um, that's CID one again. Okay, that's that's one thing that I think. Like a lot of friends I have that I talk to that they'll have a lot of questions about law enforcement or whatever. But one thing a lot of folks uh, have questions about is like, hey, if you're a if you're a detective at like one agency and like you switch agencies, like can you just go be a detective somewhere like else? A lateral like, transfer. Yeah, I'm like generally no. Like I know sometimes like Yeah, I mean I'm sure some of these agencies do hire specifically mm-hmm. for, you know Yeah. Yeah. The, like I bet for school resource officers, stuff yeah. like that. That's yeah. that's you know, you probably hire yeah. laterally for something like that or And there are times I think where like you're you're, you have a special assignment and then you can lateral to another agency to work that same assignment. But generally speaking, in my experience around this area, like you go to another agency, you're you're probably most likely going to get, you know, hired on and assigned to the patrol division. And then you're going to spend some time there before you can specialize again. Well, back but, to the tactical thing. And that's that whenever I left the PD and went to the sheriff's mm-hmm. office, the team came with me, like control of the team. Everything went to the sheriff's office. OK, yeah. I mean, the, I think they, they saw the writing on the wall, but I mean, yeah. it was going to be no more if it didn't go with us. Well, and by that time, several members uh, yeah. were on it because it was a multi-agency team. Right. Several members were on it. The majority of the members were on it, it was about the sheriff's office. Yeah, at that time, I think it was probably four to – it might have been half and half because we still had some, some guys there that are not there anymore that were on the team. But mm-hmm. it was – I was like the one that – Flip it over to being majority sheriff's oh, office. And okay. Yeah. There was four, and then I made five, you mm-hmm. know, and then it just, they just well, kept falling over. Well, if the PD had yeah. four, then you went over, then that, now yeah. they have three, and yep. then you've gained, yeah. yeah. So it, are, yeah. yeah. That's a unique position, though, to be in to where, like, hey, I'm going to swap agencies, but I'm going to still be in command of the same tactical team. Right. Like, I don't think that happens very often with. Well, and it's hard for those multi-agency teams really to state it to for that to continue on because yeah. there's differences in opinions from administration from one department to another, and and they you know it's it's hard for them not to go south. Are they, was you, were you at a school and somebody was telling yeah, you that? Yeah, they, they were telling me, and I, I can't remember what school it was, but they were, they were asking about us being a multi-agency team, and they they were just saying they're not they weren't saying that ours would never work out, but they were like mm-hmm. a lot of times those don't work out just because yeah what yeah. what Jones just said yeah yeah which makes difference sense. in opinions and yeah makes what, sense. we run into that on on call-ups i mean it's just yeah yeah but again with being smaller i mean we're you know the city's probably i'm gonna call it like sixteen thousand in the county mm-hmm. twenty-five thousand total i mean yeah, that, those yeah. are decent numbers but um it's hard to have for any one entity to ha- establish its its own team by itself just because of personnel and, and you have newer people in there and trying to do it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. what people yeah. with two years or more experience to even be able to try out for it, to set some requirements on it mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. With these smaller yeah. departments, it's hard to meet those criteria unless you branch out to other agencies. Fisher, would you? Right. Well, no, that's, that's right. Yeah. But you can, but you can tell that we're, we're slowly transitioning into yeah. it being primarily sheriff's office. And yeah, that's, you know, it, give it some time. I don't know if we, it may be solely tran- uh, sheriff's office again and we're not a yeah, I mean, multi-agency team anymore. We'll just have to see how so, it, see what happens. I guess they would be right, but 
Yeah, well, I definitely see how it would happen. I mean, I can see where they, they come up with that idea. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really easy to see how, how it'd just be like, well, you know what? We've got enough people. Let's just do it on our own. We don't yeah. have to worry yeah. about other well, folks. And, and they, they would think the same thing, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. This whole topic brings up another thing that, like, I'll have people ask me a lot whenever, if I'm talking to any of my friends about, about you know, what I do for a living, it's a lot of people, I think, have this perception of law enforcement as, like, cops are almost kind of like a hive mind where like every agency is kind of all the same and like all the cops like your city cops are kind of the same as your deputies or the same as your state police so the same as the feds like and that is not true at all no like no. yeah the, the leadership of these different agencies like you'll get a lot of different flavors of cops based well, on yeah yeah you have in different missions you know I yes mean, the, the, yeah the county the dps the troopers highway patrol whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. they've got a different mission i mean i guess your mission's the same but it's different i mean yeah it's a different area of specialization yeah, yeah exactly where, the troopers are on the highway they're working dwis they're doing traffic they have their specialized divisions mm-hmm. but you know uh city cops and deputies are going to domestics and stuff like that but there's yes. a different yeah uh, typically, sheriff's officers are just kind of friendlier to people. I mean, in, I guess probably throughout the U.S. I know in Texas, the sheriff's elected, and so there's mm-hmm. that place in the park yeah, the way we yeah. treat people. But I think law enforcement should treat people like sheriff's officers mm-hmm. do as far as the – Yeah, I mean, you, you need to be friendly to people until it's time not to. And it just because yeah. somebody ran from you does or did yeah. whatever doesn't mean you're mad at them. I, we talked about <laughs> yeah. that on the last uh-huh. show also. Yeah. But it, it you can be cool to people uh-huh. yeah. 90% of the time. Yeah, well, and you, you run into, like, areas of specialization, too, where, like, hey, if, uh, like, there's there's certain cops that are kind of, that are unique in and of themselves because they, they seek out specialized training. But, like, by and large, if you're looking for cops who are really, really good at interdiction on the highways, like, those are going to be your state troopers. But, like, if you're looking for cops who are really, really good at, like, street-level, uh, like, neighborhood dope crime, probably going to be your, your municipal city PD guys that really specialize in that. And then like at your sheriff's offices, like most cops have never dealt with a situation where it's like, Hey, we have a barricaded subject with a gun in this house and we're going to have to resolve this with like two or three guys, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's all different. Or you're going to be fighting a guy on the side of the road and it's going to be yes. 15 minutes before your backup gets there. We're in the city. They're there in a minute and a half. You yeah. know, it's yeah, totally different. It doesn't matter very, how bad you are. You got to learn how to, that's yeah. probably another reason the sheriff's office, uh, probably all around, uh, mm-hmm. have better uh, verbal judo skills because yeah. you're. And I would say maybe even troopers do because uh, you're yeah. out there by yourself and you've got it. Doesn't matter how mm-hmm. how much equipment you have or how strong you are. I mean, there's always somebody that's stronger oh, yeah. and better, and you've oh, got yeah. to be able to talk to people and try to talk them down and keep them calm. Yeah, your backup gets there and you can arrest them. Because mm-hmm. I've myself, I'm sure y'all have too, been out there. Well, I knew a guy was going to jail, but I didn't even put him in cuffs yet. I'm just talking to him until my other people get there. <laughs> yeah. Or we can deal with him then because I don't need to. Well, yeah. Why do this on the side of the road by myself when I can just yeah. talk to this dude, keep him cool until other people get there? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. push the situation? Yeah. There, then there's no sense in doing that. No. Especially when you're out there on the highway by yourself. But really, if you're a minute away from backup, there's still no sense in yeah. just well, doing something until you need yeah. to. Yeah. And like anyone who's ever actually been in a fight before knows that. Like, when you talk about, like, oh, man, I was out there by myself with this guy for 10 minutes, that doesn't really sound like a big deal. Unless you've been in a fight before, and you're like, that is a long that time. That's a long time. One on the side of the road. Hey, there's a video out there. My son, <clears throat> he uh, showed it to me, and I've seen it before, and I bet you guys have, too. My son's going actually fixing to start the police academy in about yeah. a month and a half. Yeah. But 
Um, it's a female that's in a house. It's a two-story house. And I know you guys watch videos, too. It would mm-hmm. be cool if we could, like, dissect this at some point. We're, at but, some point, we're going to have some, like, body cam breakdown stuff. Because she is totally um, – she ends up shooting the guy's mother. I think uh, I've seen act, and, and I she, think She's I've seen shooting this. him. Yeah. But she does not ask for backup. She yeah. does not she, – she's doing all kinds of shit wrong. Yeah. And, and, and she's not controlling the guy. And mm-hmm. then she's just – she has no control over that scene. Yeah. She's not waiting for backup. She's mm-hmm. not trying to kind of de-escalate it. And then she kind of does and does it. And she's just basically looks like she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. Eventually, yeah. the guy charges her, who is much larger than she is. Mm-hmm. And she shoots at him. doesn't have any we- we- real weapon control. It yeah. shoots at him and totally misses and shoots his mother standing way over here. Oh, wow. And, uh, I think and then, I've seen this. Then he ends up kind of taking her. They both fall down. And then yeah. right at that time, some G.I. Joe cop shows in and, like, karate kicks the dude across yeah, the kitchen. Yeah, face. Knocks yeah. him out. <laughs> knocks him unconscious. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's this this officer, female, she, she for some reason, I don't know if you noticed, but she dropped her gun. And it's laying there. And I'm like, I'm telling my son, I'm like, bro, look, she's got to control her weapon. Yeah. And the, the guy that, like, the G.I. Joe guy, the kung fu dude's like, Get your gun, like, get your weapon and put it in your holster. And she's like, make some kind of noise. Yeah. And he's like, starts, pick up your weapon and place it in your, like, he's like yeah. feeding yeah, it to her. And she's like, yeah. okay. And does it. She's so, like, her oodle looks so fucked up yeah. that she can't even put her yeah. gun in her holster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you seen that video? Uh, it sounds very yeah. familiar. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure as soon as it popped up, I would, yeah. you know, yeah, well, I know it's, where it's, I'm at. Uh, and I've seen it before, <laughs> but I, I let my, uh, I wanted my son to watch it and be like, hey, so that's exactly how you don't do things. Yeah. And my oh, son's yeah. a big in shape dude. I'm like, still, you <laughs> you call for backup yeah. because you don't know what's going to well, happen. Yeah, you, you you don't want to be overconfident. And I don't it's and just, that wasn't because she was a female. It was no. because she wasn't controlling the situation. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. It makes you wonder how people like that, how do they fall through their cracks and were yes. yeah. even able to Well that well, yeah, that wasn't the first time she mismanaged a scene. It was just the first yeah. time something actually happened bad. Well, because like how many like you know in the police academy they throw you in like the, the scenario based training? There are so many like scenarios in the academy that are like that, where it's like, hey, you're at a house and you're dealing with this guy, you gotta arrest him, and his mom's screaming at you, go. Well, like, there's so many things like that. So I'm like, how do people pass the academy whenever they don't have? Con- I mean, well, it, and like I say, she she had to have had things, and I hate to spit. Now we're starting to armchair, but she yeah, yeah watching yeah. that video. If y'all have seen it, if you've seen I've it, seen it, know, I know she, exactly. She's totally out of control, and that's not the first. You don't just. Not handle shit one time. She'd right. been not handling shit right for many times. Like I said, she just nothing yeah. bad happened. But, yeah, when everyone has their bad days. I mean, but if we saw if somebody on our uh, team was doing that, we we would uh, we would address it. Oh, Damn yeah. well, better. This artist better address it and let, yeah. let yeah. know. And maybe the person needs to be sent through remediation. And if they can't handle it, they need to be gone. Yeah, yeah. When it's nothing personal, but like this is a very dangerous profession. And at the end of the day, like it's just business. Like, yeah. well, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't not be, it's fine. You can be a great person and it's nothing personal at all. And like, Hey, like good luck to you, you know, have a great life. But like, not everything is for everybody. And well, Hey, and a, you know what? And, and, uh, and they don't need to be thrown into uh, larger agencies or even agencies like ours. You don't want to throw people that aren't handling stuff right into school resource officer. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Cause yeah. they're supposed to be protecting kids. Right, yeah. Not hiding behind a wall. Yeah. You know, no, we don't put them in. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, but the agencies do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of agencies well, do that. They sit there and they push them to SRO or, or throw them a detective or, or, yeah. or throw them. Yeah. That's wherever they have a problem, they take them out of that and put them somewhere else. And that is yeah. not, that's just passing a problem around. Yeah. yeah. One thing, agencies do that everywhere. One thing no one likes to talk about, but it's so true is like you have an officer who probably shouldn't have made it through the academy, but they did. They end up on the streets and, 
their teammates, their fellow officers realize very quickly, like, hey, they're a huge liability and it's not safe. And so instead of like terminating them, like they probably should, they get thrown into criminal investigations division. Like, oh, hey, you can do this like more office related job. And they're still not really a super squared away cop, but they're going to stay at the agency because no, no just, one wants they, to they plug them. a hole. Yes. And that's. Yeah. Well, and you hear state agencies doing that too. I mean, I'm not just saying Texas, but I. It's a problem. Yeah, yeah. they'll sit there and send them to the other side of the state. Yeah. Yeah. So, and no problems going to occur there. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you need to deal with the problem that you have, not push it down the road to somebody else or some other supervisor. Well, and it sucks for the guys that are like me and Fitton that want to be detectives. Well, yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah. Well, you automatically start, there's a stereotype there they're like well, <laughs> well could you not hack it on the streets I'm exactly like, no yeah. it's just like uh, that happens so often like oh man like this guy probably sucked on patrol so they threw him in CID yeah and it's like so, well I would like to think that, that was that's a horrible, case, that, well, that was you know my at the first agency I worked at that's what everybody thought like it's yeah. like mm-hmm. well they're, they're in CID because they got in trouble well mm-hmm. hey I bet you in big agencies I know in big agencies I've heard it I've listened to other podcasts actually that uh They'll like LAPD and stuff. There'll be some dude that's a total fuck up, and he'll be a lieutenant. Yeah, you know, because yeah. they'll be like, I don't know, this guy's gonna get somebody killed on the street. Yeah. Let's move him to the <laughs> lieutenant. Yeah. You know, that's that's tell what other now he's telling people everybody people. how to, you know, forty <laughs> well, guys how to do their that's, job. That's the idea, though. It's like, hey, this dude isn't safe on the street, so like, we gotta get him off the street. Let's make him your supervisor. Yeah, exactly. you know yeah, yeah you now, know? now he's just in charge of you, yeah. so that he's you can go deal with the dangerous stuff because we can't we can't trust him to deal with it. But he's gonna make decisions on if we should call an ERT team. Yeah, they're gonna make all these like real critical decisions from the department. Well, and they could be hacking on patrol. That causes other problems because now they're in a command position like okay now they've called for a tactical team to come to the situation and the tactical team gets there and then they're trying to tell the tactical team what to do and then the tactical team is like hey that's not a good idea no. but it, it creates this whole and i'll tell you when we'll, once we uh get some canine guys on here as guests we'll, we'll yeah. talk about this more but this is something i was going to bring up when because i'm a former canine guy but I, uh agencies uh when they have a guy over canine that's never been a canine and, and there's a bigger agency uh, in this area that does that. Mm-hmm. The guy over canine has never been a canine before. So he's yeah. making decisions on stuff that he knows nothing about. Right. And I've, when I was in the canine world, I heard that bigger agencies were notorious for doing that. You know, they'd have a lieutenant over mm-hmm. like special services or something that had never been a canine. He's yeah. making decisions on where you go get your dog or, mm-hmm. you know, what yeah. kind of unit you're going to get or all these things. And they don't know anything about it. And yeah. it's just a, I know of the agency did the same thing it, with their, their SWAT team. They put a sergeant over the SWAT team. That was not a SWAT guy. That's never been, he out, came yeah. from the He'd outside before yeah. and he's got all these, you know, badass operators yep. with this dude that doesn't know anything about that's it. Trying to tell him it. what to do. Yeah. You know, tell him all I don't like that one that, don't like it one day. Well, that's 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 something that happens. I mean, yeah. we yeah. hear about it's it, a we about it, and it's uh, it, it does it never works out. It's it, the ugly it, truth, but yeah. Well, it's what sours people. It's what makes people uh, your SWAT teams uh, yeah. end up not having yeah. any members, and all the members are brand new, never yeah. been on a raid. Yeah, yeah. stuff well, like that. And I think it's it's kind of shocking for a lot of people. I think to hear about stuff like this, like kind of the inner law enforcement world turmoil, because again, like I think there's a big misconception that all these agencies operate on the same frequency and we're all the same and we're all just, you know, these, these police robots, but not the case no. at all. <laughs> no, no, it's not. And it's, it's not, not a perfect world, but I mean, no, it's, no. It, um, but you have your guys in these agencies who are super badass and squared away and they, they do a great job. And it is weird whenever things happen where it's like, this guy is a rock star and he's, he's doing, he's like the pinnacle of what a cop should be. 
but there's someone who has command over him who is like shouldn't be in at all. Like, but it, that happens all the time. Yeah, and it can be dangerous because they're making decisions or making decisions about what equipment you have or, or what, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, you're going to deploy yeah. on a house or not, and they really have no experience and no business yeah. doing that. Or, or pretty, pretty much what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, lived it. Yeah, lived it, been there, done that. But yeah, okay, so I guess to kind of um, to kind of start to cap this off, so you, you start out City PD, and I mean, you go everything from Patrol Division, Criminal Investigations Division, get involved with a tactical team, um, kind of cycle through that. And then sheriff's office, patrol division. I know you're a sergeant now. When did you make sergeant at the sheriff's office? Oh. Like, do you remember about how, how long you were over there before you made rank? Uh, probably a year and a half. Okay. Two, two years, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, because if you've done it before, like if you had supervisory experience before, right. it makes I mean, sense. Well, yeah, that's like, so I, was, I was involved in making that decision. And yeah, oh, okay. it, 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 um, it mattered because he had all these years of experience yeah, with another was, agency. Yeah. I mean, he, again, wasn't really a lateral transfer over for him for sure, Sergeant. Yeah. But, but he came over pretty When you want to compare him to some of the other folks that work for us, he's got more experience. He's, he had CID, CID experience. And yeah. so it, yeah. you know, that's that uh, played into that. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, I guess that's, I mean, that's where we're at now is, you and I get to be get to be buddies, to yeah. Be detectives, so you know, good times for sure. Yeah, no. Uh, and we do that when we're when we find somebody because he he didn't like go up against other folks for sergeant. We just had a conversation with him. It's like this is something you want to do. Whereas there's been times where we sit there, a couple of people are similarly qualified, and we kind yeah. of let them yeah. find it out, so to speak. You know, we, we yeah, do some yeah. interviews or something. Maybe, maybe but we're not, I don't see any need to do a dog and pony show. No. When, and I think it's disrespectful. Say if 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 you were had put in for sergeant also yeah and then we already knew it was gonna be him well that's a, why would we even have you waste go through time. The waste yeah. of time it's yeah. not right you yeah. know you yeah. just like, well, this is what we're gonna do it's i with every promotional process or really any team selection mm-hmm. anything like that you going into whatever you're gonna do whether it's a board interview or a test there's a good chance that everybody knows already who's gonna be promoted what I think yeah, people that are making those is like yeah. that. People that are making those decisions know. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Well, so and so is going to get this position, but we got we got to open it up for everybody else. Yeah. Well, why, so not, like, why not cut the bullshit and just what's a waste of everyone's person. time? Yeah. There's a lot of administrative time that's put into that when you already know the mm-hmm. answer to it. I mean, there's been times when we've you know had a, had a group of people and talked to them and do all this stuff, but mm-hmm. when we're not going to do that, why waste everyone's time? Right. Yeah. Exactly. When I think like when you're in that type of situation, like. Your service record kind of speaks for itself, and people know. If well, I've worked with him for a long time, and other. I mean, yeah. it's just, it, and if people know that, like, hey, this guy is the dude who he made this big bust, and he he you know took this huge dude into custody by himself. He's done all these cool things in his career. Clearly, like he, you know, his reputation precedes him, and like you. What's your gonna, leadership capabilities? You know, yes. he's not making poor decisions on the yeah. street where he's you know violating people's mm-hmm. rights, where he's yeah. It, it, yeah. Or, or having cowardice issues, or yeah. all these issues that that you know. Well, like your Some reputation. Some officers have, deputies yeah. have. You, you know this guy doesn't have those. And so you're like, okay, yeah, he's going to work for this position. Exactly. And like your reputation is, I mean, that's your that's your currency, especially in law enforcement. But, right. you know, if you, but, if you don't have a good reputation, you're not going to make it. Right. But I always knew deep down that I was more deputy material than I was working for a PD. Like I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't trade the time that I had at a PD for anything because I did. Sure. I gained a lot yeah. of experience, learned how to do some things mm-hmm. that – some of our deputies that 
have been there for however long. Yeah. Still don't know how to do it. It's not their fault. It's just they haven't seen some of the yeah. stuff that happens, you know, yeah. in a city. Yeah. So, but I just knew that being out outside the city for a county, mm-hmm. is, that's ultimately where I needed to be. And yeah. That's where I fit better. My personality-wise, it's just. I kind of think the same thing because when I started, I didn't really know if I wanted to be PD or SO or what or whatever. But I started PD, and I'm glad that I did because the experience was really good, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but I like I moved over to SO just because I liked what what that particular agency seemed to be all about, and I liked what looked like direction they were headed. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But no, there's there's a lot to be said for that experience. But what are your uh, future career plans, if any? You know, any uh, further aspirations? Anything you're trying to do? I'm just kind of riding it out for now. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Kind of, especially with our industry, I mean, mm-hmm. most everybody's kind of in the positions they're going to be in for for a while. For a while. Yeah. And, and I'm okay with through. that. Not, I mean, that, I love but, but I've been there long enough it, where you, you think that, and then all of a sudden, you know, a but I know things, somebody <laughs> comes in and says, well, I'm moving to Dallas. Or yeah. yeah. But, I th- but I think it's like it's like a chess, chess board or something. Yeah. Like everybody is going to be just moved around to a different position, but still. Yeah. Be majority of the same people. Yeah, know, same whole group of people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not going to change it that much, you know. Yeah, I think you're right. Good group, and and it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see kind of how we proceed, and the group of guys that we're working with now. We talked about this in the last episode, but I'm very excited to see in, in the in the coming years what kind of things we're able to, uh, what kind of change we're able to affect in the area that we work in, and mm-hmm. I think we uh, we've got a solid enough group now that like, we're really gonna deter and, and solve a lot of crime right. which is what we're here to do so it's it's gonna be a lot of fun and I'm yeah, excited. I, just, I want to show people that it can be done in a smaller oh, yeah. area oh you yeah know, we yeah. have the same problems as the big mm-hmm. city does it's just you yeah. know well like your your problems come from from people and anywhere you got people you're gonna have those exactly. problems so yeah but yeah that's another that, that could be its own episode is kind of the misconceptions with like smaller agency law enforcement as oh, yeah. compared to a bigger agency, yeah. but like, you know, our, our local county sheriff's office in Texas, it's not exactly the same, but we have a lot of same problems that, that LAPD has or NYPD yeah. has. I mean, it's Definitely. just people they doing the highest volume, do. you know, the volume no, is on a smaller scale, there. but it's, it's the same, yeah. same problems, it's same weird things, exactly. same naked ladies in a bird bath. I mean, yeah, have, everybody has these stories <laughs> yeah. if they're, at an agency of any size, yeah. this weird stuff happens. It's still, you know, yeah. foot chases and shootings and oh, yeah. car pursuits. And well, that's what happens like, still. Any anyone that I talked like before I got involved in law enforcement, I, I had I had the perception of like, oh, I bet like you know someone from LAPD is like badass, like they've done so much cool stuff and everything, and like I'm sure these guys locally around around these towns like probably have never done anything like that. And then I got involved in, it, and I'm like, oh no, like. You very much do all that same sort of stuff, just yeah. like you said. Different what, like you had the, your first day on the job, had that lady that had her mom, you know, <laughs> yeah, there, uh, yeah, to, to that laundromat with a gun and yeah, yeah like all that stuff shot some method lady day one, and like, oh, okay, like that. We talked about this too. That really like skewed my perception of law enforcement at first. I was like, I guess this is what it's like. Like, I guess every day we're just like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'll shoot people or whatever. Um, well, I guess we can clarify too, because they're, I mean, uh, as as this this. Uh, podcast goes on and yeah uh, in more episodes we're going to have people on that aren't from our agency or aren't from around yeah, here yeah, we're, and we're going to get their perspective too but we're just kind of getting the core group of people that are going to be yeah. here to kind of get the background behind them but then as we 
pull people in, uh, folks that we haven't worked with and, and yeah. things like that as uh, our guests. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm excited to see where this podcast goes. I think we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll get a little better every episode and it'll be cool. But, but I know like us three here, we're going to end up kind of being the, the core kind of regular contributors to the podcast. And there's one more, one more guy that we're going to have on that, uh, schedule wise. We just haven't been able to get him on yet, but probably next episode we'll, which is another guy that we work with. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. It's uh, kind of funny how the whole thing started, but yeah, we like, we like us two used to be at a different agency, but currently the, the primary four guys that are going to be regular contributors to this this production we're all working at the same agency funny how that works out but right yeah but as, as the episodes go on there'll be people that we don't even know that well and maybe some yeah. phone interviews from people from other states and we've got yeah. a lot of yeah. a lot of things lined up and a lot, a lot of, of good, ideas a lot of good mm-hmm. guests i think it's going to be fun yeah and, and super entertaining and we always try to have them uh especially some of these guests we have lined up are characters i mean the guy that got <laughs> shot at with a midget with webbed hands yeah. He's a character. Yeah. yeah for sure <clears throat> yeah and then uh, I got more stories about him, and I'm sure you do too. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, there's there's a bunch of stories we can tell. Talk yeah. About, so. Well, and then we get the other guy we talked to on the phone the other day. That's now I uh, call him an arms salesman. I don't know. I mean, basically, yeah, uh, he's basically a, a legal arms dealer. It sure, like, but, but so. he has a, he had a ten year law enforcement career, which was quite uh, colorful on uh, <laughs> uh, the positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, almost made a Hallmark special about him, and he can talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, we I'm excited at all these uh, different characters it's, and I uh, guess we're going to have. Yeah. It's a cool, cool world. The whole, the whole law enforcement. World. It's, it's awesome to be a part of, but uh, I think as far as, as our second episode on this show goes, um, I think so far we kind of, we introduced you, we introduced me a little bit and we, we introduced Fisher here and yeah. I've got anything else to add tonight. Mm-hmm. Look forward to the next one. Yeah. yeah. It'll be cool. Well, yeah. Next time we'll, uh, we'll try and get our, our fourth, contributor on but until then um yeah stay tuned and uh expect some more some more content on the way from 1023 podcast thanks